in five, four, three, two, one. Amy Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. You got the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Yeah, I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Hey! All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Welcome everybody, it's Thursday, February 8th, this is the Mike Rutherford Show, coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in sunny and lovely Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, if you're looking to take accounting to a whole new level, you can do so with UofL Masters in Accounting and Analytics. In-depth data analytics courses allow you to achieve a new mastery of accounting in this AACSB-accredited program, 11-month competitive internship opportunities, and full, not partial, not minor, not half, but full access to the Becker CPA exam review Prepare you to graduate career-ready in just 12 months. Visit business.louisville.edu today to learn more. We're on the air today from 310 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know us better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford and Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, in the house today. As we're a little bit late getting on air because the uh, the, the infamous door here to the studio being fixed. We're, we're, we're getting the problem solved. I said yesterday... It was on its uh, it was on its last legs. That was not a lie. I think Scoots can back me up on that. Oh yeah, that bad boy is about to fall down. I predicted it was going to break that copier. Which, uh, it, which was my concern. It actually came off the hinges this morning. It was not on a single hinge. All full way off. Yeah, so it was just hanging on. We we had to lean it up against the door, but yeah, well, it wasn't good. I mean, you saw it when we left yesterday. Yeah, it was it was on its last leg. It was about to be done, and TJ left me a nice little note today. Which it is amazing. I don't know if you've seen this notepad where we leave each other. You notes. all, uh, it's the exact same handwriting. I, I mean, I can't. I don't. I don't know if if I didn't know what you all were talking about, I literally wouldn't know who was who. It's unbelievable. It's I've, I've, scary. I've been ridiculed for my handwriting my entire life, even by people that have bad handwriting themselves. It, we have mirror image literally, handwriting. Yeah. And so I, I can't. I, I I I glance at it and I can't even tell when he's left me like a note because it looks like the same handwriting. <laughs> but today he just says, "You've really done it with the door this time!" Exclamation point. So I realized it was, I mean, it, w it wasn't me. It was on its last life yesterday. This was not my fault. I can't yeah. stress that enough. I'll back you up on that. But uh, we, we're, we're getting it fixed now. It's all good. We're gonna, Are they still in there working? Yeah. I can't even hear them. That's incredible. It's because we have the best men. Troy lied the last time. He's like, you know, we got the... The best people are going to fix this. Now we got the best men on it. Yeah, we're good to go now. Yeah, Scoot, how are you on this fine Thursday afternoon? How was your your Wednesday evening? I hope no more fighting with Gil. I hope that we're just you know, I hope that there weren't just stuff being thrown 
around Kalen Manor. I hope it was just a, it was all good. Peaceful Wednesday night for you. Yeah, it, it was good. It was a good Thursday or Wednesday night. Jeez, I'm trying to take I it up. I, I, I've, I've been thinking it's Friday all day. My goodness. Uh, yeah, great Wednesday evening. I didn't really do much. Played played some Hogwarts on the PlayStation. Other than that, didn't I, I recorded the Louisville game, mm. and I was my plan was to watch it today. But I, instead of doing that, I was kind of just score tracking. I had it up on my phone, like on the on my app that I use for to check scores. So I was kind of just watching the score all night. Um, so yeah, I don't, I won't have the best vantage point from the game last night, but I, I could still talk about it. So. I was gonna say you could get the gist of last yeah. night's game from the box score, but you, sure. you really probably can't. Well, so. I mean, and I've you got to think I've been we've been talking about it all day. I mean, we touched on it on KRC. Spears talked about it at noon. So I, I, I got. I got a general sense of what went down last night. It was night. an eventful game, for sure, yeah. which is something that we haven't always been able to say here in the past, but uh, certainly an eventful game. We did more than just make it interesting, although I guess maybe you could argue we we did at the end just make it interesting because they didn't actually win the game. But we have plenty to talk about on that front. We've got ACC news to get to. We didn't really dive much into Jeff Brom's comments from yesterday because basketball, both on the men's and the women's side, dominated the conversation. Uh, there were a couple things that stood out to me. It, you know, Jeff's never going to... He's never going to drop anything that's uh, – he's never going to do a Kenny Payne thing where it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. We need to dive into this for a full two hours. He he kind of knows the message that he wants to get across, and he does so pretty effectively. But he said some stuff about Tyler Shuck. He said some tough uh, stuff about the transfer portal players yesterday uh, and, and their sort of philosophy with NIL and the portal. That was interesting. Maybe we can play a couple of those clubs. Well, I say that. We can't. We can it, try. It, it won't go over the stream. We can try. And then uh, half the, the listening audience will be mad at us. Uh, like it happened last time. We gotta, we'll figure that out. We'll get our best bet on that now after this. We, it's all going to happen. we got big-time uh, women's basketball tonight as well. The UofL women taking on Notre Dame. Another top 25 matchup. The Cards hosting the 12th-ranked Fighting Irish tonight at 6 o'clock. Right when we get off the air, you can flip over to our sister station, 970 WGTK, and hear Nick Curran call all the action of that one. It uh, should be a lot of fun. But uh, we've got uh, we'll dive into the... The men's basketball game from last night here in just a second, but we've got we have drama at the Rutherford household a little bit. Uh-oh. Poor poor John is very sick, and I'm kind of blaming you. What? You didn't get me sick, at least as of yet. But so somehow, I get John sick. I've got to blame somebody for this. It's not my fault. They go I, to daycare, right? I, I, they do, and it's running rampant in daycares. It is. I still choose to blame you, and I've I've deducted that mine's allergies. You you sound a, a little bit better today. I don't feel a little bit better today. Well, that's probably not allergies. This, this is honestly maybe the worst day I've had. I'm sorry. Well, at least you get, at least you get a little bit more rest tomorrow. I did. That was one interesting part of my Wednesday. I was down to in my left nostril. At one point last night, I was down to less than five percent breathing capacity. That's not I mean, good. I just could not breathe out of my nose at all. So I woke, proceeded to go to bed, and uh, woke up with probably the driest mouth anybody has ever had in their entire life. Give me a year. It sucks. Flonase, ever heard of it? I got Afrin that I use, but I've. They say you can't use that more than three days in a row. You're not supposed to. Yesterday was my third day, so I, I got to take today off, or I had to take last night and then today off. I'll probably go back to it tonight. Yeah, I use a like a. It's not like a nasal cleanser, but it's something that I, like I you can use it every single day. Like a Navage type of deal. Kind of. Yeah. That's I need something like that. Is what I really need. It's a. It, it's legit. I feel like it does help a lot. I feel like it does. Does it hurt? No, 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 no. It's like you're supposed to do like one or two little squirts uh, twice a day. So I do it when I wake up, do it when I go to sleep, even when I'm not sick, even when I'm, my, my nostrils are breathing's fine. Like it does good, like clearing so out not, any sort of like illness. It's not like one of the ones that cycles through. No, 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 no. Okay. Because I've always wondered, like those, those is, 
Something like that is what I really need. But I just I'm so afraid of if that hurts or if the water gets directed elsewhere. I just yeah, I don't know what happens. <laughs> it kind of scares me. The fluid just goes straight to your brain. Yeah, I don't I don't want to really <laughs> mess with it. I don't know. No, I think you're probably I okay. I don't trust my body to do what it's supposed to. What I use it's called a X layer. It's like an A. It's like clear, but you have an X for the the C. Mm. It works well. Recommended. I'll look into it. Yeah, a little nasal spray. Uh, but but poor John, I came home yesterday. I told you, I think on the air, I got the text from Mary, and it was like this has happened like three times in the last basically since he started going to school. And like she texts and she's like, he's not feeling well. Picture of him, and he just looks dead to rights. And he's he's usually like the happiest kid in the entire world, very smiley, very energetic, very happy. And uh, he he was asleep. Which never happens at like five thirty, <laughs> so we go home and he's he's burning up. He's terrible. He looks just miserable. He's like kind of dozing on and off. We, we we go in and just like let him go to sleep at like six forty five, and he sleeps through the night. We kind of and, and when they're that little, like we both were like setting our alarms to get up every couple hours just to make sure like nothing's terrible. Make sure he's still breathing yeah. when you go in there. So it made for kind of a a rough night for everybody. And then he woke up this morning not feeling good. He's been you know the Motrin will kick in. And he'll feel okay and be a little bit better. The fever is is bad, but it's not like we have to take him to the hospital. Bad, so he's just kind of pathetic right now, which which sucks. But we tested him for COVID, didn't have COVID. My mom that's says good. there's a little bug going around. That's uh, it's not COVID, it's not RSV, it's not flu. But these kids are feeling like crap for like 48 hours and then moving on. So hopefully, once we get to tomorrow, he'll be feeling a little bit better. But it's just you know when you've got kids that little that are sick, it just kind of wrecks wrecks everything you can't really get anything done and, and wish mine was a 48 hour thing yeah i wish it was too i sneezed I, I would bet you my next paycheck that i sneezed more than 100 times yesterday i, I think it, it was crazy like everybody's sick again i i feel like it, maybe it has at least something to do with the weather the dramatic temperature shift like mary's got bad migraines that have come on uh, i've had i actually have felt good today which for the last two years has always indicated that i'm about to feel terrible like when, when i have like normal days where like my thinking's clear my heart rate's fine. Like all this stuff is normal. It usually means it's because my immune system's working normally because I've got a little bug and I haven't felt it yet. So that's the prediction for if if, if like I, I show up and I sound like absolute crap or I just don't show up at all tomorrow. That's the prediction for that. Hopefully it's just <laughs> I'm having a good day, but um, I'm feeling a lot better than I have the last couple of days. But whenever the temperature just shifts and there's like an air pressure thing going on, it kind of messes with all my weird symptoms and I just I, I feel bizarre and I felt really weird the last couple of days. But today's been. Has been good. It was nice to sit outside after in between shows today. I sat outside for probably 20, 25 minutes. It's a beautiful nice. day. Yeah, it's a wonderful day again. Yeah. Take it easy, Mister Rogers. I know it's a it's it's hard not to feel happy. Although it would have helped getting a Louisville men's basketball victory last night. It was sure. a wild game. There are things to talk about that happened both on the floor and off the court, which I think are very very interesting. We had the discussion yesterday about you know if they win this game. And I thought I was like, look, I think there's a chance that they can win this game. At least I, I saved myself. I feel like every time I say that this team's going to cover, they wind up losing by 30. But I, I thought they were going to cover last night. I picked them to lose by four. We both picked them to lose by four, mm-hmm. and they lost by by two, unfortunately. But it felt for a large part of last night like we were going to be having that conversation where it's like there's a corner turning happening. They're fun to watch they're playing hard they're executing on offense yeah the defense still is bad but they're a young team they're going to win some more games and Kenny's going to make this awkward and he still may there still may be like this team could definitely get hot if you can play that Syracuse team who's not very good but they're better than some of the teams you have left on your schedule if you can basically have them beaten on the road you can probably still win five or six of these last uh eight games that we've got on the schedule and 
it was it's still so strange for me to see them looking this cohesive this competent this effective on offense when they looked so terrible for the first couple months of the season and I will say this I I, I will give Kenny Payne props on this one the, the development of Brandon Huntley Hatfield has been obvious you know, we, we took a lot of shots at him last year big man whisperer what's up with all the big men they suck nobody's getting any better Brandon Huntley Hatfield has gotten markedly better from where he was last season and where he was at the beginning of this year and if you want to just say that it, everything falls at the feet of the head coach, well, he deserves some credit for that. Brandon Huntley Hatfield's become a consistent threat on offense, and he's got every skill set, and finally we're starting to see that come to fruition a little bit. Two, I, I thought last night, I mean, Syracuse, we mentioned Red Daugh- Red Autry plays basically 90% man-to-man this season, which is so jarring to see a Syracuse team not go directly to that 2-3 zone. He comes out, he plays the man-to-man. We, we torch it. We light it up. Louisville... Breaks out early, gets off to a 9-2 to lead, and they're doing kind of whatever they want on offense. And so Autry goes back to the old 2-3 zone. And Louisville, just like it, it against Indiana, looks like they've never seen a 2-3 zone before. No idea how to attack it. They're turning the ball over, they're passing it on the perimeter for 25 seconds, uh, and then either taking a terrible shot or just throwing the ball away. Syracuse promptly goes on a, a I think, 8-0 run, 9-0 run to seize control of the game, and you're like, okay, that was it. It was fun while it lasted. Now we're just like a quick, simple adjustment, and Kenny Payne's been tricked again. We ran really good zone offense from that point forward. I think it was after the, the second TV timeout. We got Mike James into the middle of the zone. Guys attacked off the bounce to, to, to crack the zone a little bit. We put shooters on the wing. Curtis would come in and knock down some outside shots. We did a good job of passing high-low, whether it was Brandon who was flashing or somebody else, Mike James. It was an effect, a very effective zone offense. And then when they would go back to, to man-to-man, we lit that up. Like There was nothing they threw at us that we didn't handle pretty well offensively. The turnovers were bad, but the turnovers, a lot of them, I don't think were a product of, of at least after the first eight minutes. It was just kind of sl- general sloppiness. It was just, you know, just what we've seen from this team for the last two years, general sloppiness. But when we got into our stuff, we were running effective stuff. And Kenny deserves credit for that. At the end of the day, it didn't matter for the same reason that I've said after every game for the past two months that it didn't matter. We don't defend. Don't defend at all. Don't know how to defend. Don't ever exhibit basic defensive principles. We allowed Syracuse to score 33 points in transition last night. 33. We are, and I didn't realize this uh, until today, the... C by C wager page, capping by Chris. They do uh, gambling stuff. Very good page. They posted the numbers from um, one of the, the the sites that tracks these stats. We're the seventh worst team. We're 356th in Division One when it comes to allowing transition points. There are a lot of things in 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 basketball that you look at and you're like, eh, it's, it, that's not really a fixable problem. If you don't have like last year, we didn't have a secondary ball handler. That's on roster construction. That's not something you can fix in the middle of a season. Transition defense is just purely focus and effort. When a shot goes up on the offensive end, at least one dude immediately is going back to defend in transition, preferably two two guys. I know we we have a, sort of a give and take here. We're crashing the boards on offense. We've done well. I mean, last night we out-rebounded them by 19, uh, and when you send everybody to the glass, that's going you're, you're – 
obviously going to give up more transition opportunities. Somebody has to get back, though. Somebody has to get back. And a lot of the times that they were scoring transition points, it wasn't off turnovers. It wasn't off long missed rebounds. It was just basic stuff. They scored off of our makes multiple times, including at the very end of the game on the most decisive possession. It's just effort. It's just focus. It's the coaching staff drilling into you, get back, get back, get back, and then make an effort to stop somebody. Stop the ball. Make them do something else other than just catch it at midcourt and drive straight to the bucket for a layup. And we just don't do it. And we haven't done it. And we refuse to do it. And it's maddening. Syracuse played great last night on offense. They weren't nearly as good as their numbers indicate they were. We let them do a lot of what they did effectively. When somebody scores 33 transition points on you, you let them do that. You don't get it just because they had a great scheme. North Carolina's not scoring 33 points in transition, and they're in, like 90% of their offense is based off of transition offense or the secondary break. That's just simply not having your guys ready and then not adjusting when it's becoming apparent that it's a problem in the middle of a game. So as, as encouraging as a lot of the things are on offense, it's nullified by the fact that you just let them do whatever you want on defense. And it's, this, this has been a thing this entire season. Well, they played well enough on offense against North Carolina. They played well enough against off- on offense against Duke. They played well enough on, on offense against NC State. But it didn't matter because they just don't defend. Syracuse shot 60.8% from the field. That's incredible. Six, they shot above 60.8. They hit 10 of 22 threes. They assisted on 20 of their 31 made shots. They had 10 turnovers themselves. We turned it over 17 times. They turned it over 10 times. We shot 53.8% from the field, and we shot better than they did from three. We made one more three than they did, 11 of 25 from beyond the arc. It's not better. Well, it's close. <laughs> we made one more, is my point. We shot, th- we shot three more. Percentage is slightly less, but we made one more shot. We outscored them from beyond the arc. There you go. That's, that's the better way to put it. <laughs> we out-rebounded them by 19. Louisville had not lost a game in regulation when scoring at least 90 points since 1986. I wasn't even alive. We're back to making the wrong kind of history again. We had been, since then, we had been 39-0 and in games where we scored 90 points in regulation. 49-0, and take it back. 49-0. and Our last loss in regulation when scoring over 90 points was a 108-98 loss to Oklahoma back in 1988. We also have only lost three games in our history when scoring, when out-rebounding a team by 19 points, by 19 rebounds. It's just, at some point, you've got to play defense. You, like, you, I, I get that they're trying to accentuate their strengths, and it's very clear that their strengths this late in the season are on offense. And the guards are doing a great job at playing downhill. The guards are doing a great job at getting out there and running with teams. Um, guys are making shots that weren't making shots at the beginning of the season. But it, at some point, you've got to realize this doesn't matter if we don't stop anybody on the other end of the floor, and we just never stop anybody on the other end of the floor. Now, the, the the final sequence of the game. I'm assuming you've talked about this. I'm assuming you, oh, you've yeah. seen at least I've, this. I've dude. seen it. Oh, yeah. I got some thoughts. I was irate when it initially happened. So, Sky Clark, who was, who was brilliant last night. Sky Clark deserves props. He was fantastic. He came off the bench. I'm sure it was frustrating for him to 
you know, to, to be out when Louisville scores 101 points and knocks off Florida State, I'm sure it was a little bit humbling for him to be, you know, when, when you're the starting point guard to the second lean score, all that stuff, you probably are thinking in your mind, like, that's going to fall apart without me. Like, they're going to be way worse. And Louisville was maybe at its best, the best that it's been in two years with Sky Clark not playing as Florida State over the weekend. And to his credit, he comes off the bench last night and he was great. 23 points, four of eight from three, eight of 14 from the field. Did have four turnovers, but, but, counteracted that with five assists, and had three steals himself. Hits a crazy shot to tie the game at 92. Louisville, I think, was so surprised that he made it that just everyone froze for a second. <laughs> I don't know if they were thinking that uh, that Syracuse was going to call timeout. It seems more likely that it was very much like a Sandlot situation where they're like, I guess the shock of his homer was just too much for him. Like He rounded second and just went straight to the, the outfield. We just don't move. Like three guys just don't move, including Sky, who made the shot himself. Syracuse catches the ball at mid midcourt. They're immediately behind our our safety, behind our our last defender. And national people have run with this the entire day and being like, "This is just classic Louisville basketball under Kenny Payne. Just no effort, total laziness." It's a snapshot. I, I get why you would say that if you didn't watch the entire game. I think Louisville played hard. They just don't play well in certain areas. But that was inexcusable. You allow them to get off on the break. And then the goaltend call happens. It's very clearly to me not a goaltend. Not a goaltend. Caleb Glenn gets the ball on the way up. It doesn't hit the glass. It's not above the rim. It's it's a it's a by the letter of the law block. Now you can argue Huntley Hatfield fouled the guy before. I think it, it, you can make that case for sure. But by the rule book, Syracuse should have gotten a terrible break here. And we should have gotten a good break because they blew the play. When when Teddy Valentine, whoever it was, blows the whistle to call a goaltend, the play stops. Nothing that happens after that matters. Play's dead. You're reviewing that play alone. And if you look at it and you say, not a goaltend. Now, I've seen differing opinions on this. Some people say it's a jump ball, in which case Louisville would have gotten the ball with a chance to 3.8 seconds to go to win the game. Other people say it would have been Syracuse would have maintained possession and they would have had side out. Either way, how would they have maintained possession? I don't know. I, I think that because they got the rebound that was after the whistle. I don't know what the rule is there. I would assume, I, I guess, because it's a live because it's a live ball to me, it should be a jump ball situation, and we should have it. Now that would screw Syracuse because if you let play go, they have the putback. They're up ninety four ninety two. It, you didn't get the foul call, but you still are up by two. And then we have the ball in the exact same situation. My hunch in all of this is that Teddy Valentine and the crew went to the, the scorer's table. They watched the replay, and they were like, okay, this would really screw Syracuse. We're just going to go ahead and keep the call as is because of that. Now, that's crap because it's not – while it's not fair to Syracuse, it's also not fair to us because it's you're not doing things by the letter of the law. You're not doing things by the rule book. Lord knows we've been screwed by some ridiculous rules over the last few years. We should have had the ball with a chance to go down there and win. And worst case scenario is we miss a shot and we go to overtime. Didn't happen. We did get a great look. Sky Clark had a, had a terrific look. I thought the shot was going to go in. I mean, Sky Clark has been pretty clutch down the stretch for us in games this season. Uh, you know, we've lost those games, but he's hit big shots towards the end that have either put us ahead or, or or tied the game up, including the one that he just made the possession before. So he gets that that open. I thought it was going in, and unfortunately, it didn't even touch iron. It barely grazed the backboard, and that's the game. It was a decent look. It was a great look for you know, given the circumstances, length of the court to go, three point eight seconds. Um, I thought he was going to make it. I really did. But 
I found myself feeling old emotions last night. I know not everybody was, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But I found myself feeling old emotions. Like, I'm, I'm shouting at the TV. I'm, I'm cursing the ACC. I'm furious at the refs. And, like, that part of it did feel good. It was not as long-lasting. It wasn't like I woke up just feeling terrible about the game like I would have if we were in the middle of a you know, conference championship hunt or top four seed in the NCAA tournament hunt. But for a while, like last night, it was a fun game. It, against all odds, it was a very fun game. If you're an impartial viewer, I'm sure the game was fun as hell to watch because you're not worried about the turnovers, the sloppiness, the lack of yeah. defense, all that stuff. There was some great shot-making that happened. I hate that it came down to the, the, the way that it did. I, I've kind of, while initially I wanted... You know, it was, it was sort of a, a coping mechanism. I wanted to project my anger onto somebody, and I was very angry at the refs. The more the time went on, I'm still angry at the refs, but Louisville could have done like five things to prevent that. You know, if they just hustle back, or if Kenny calls a timeout right after the make, or if they, you know, if, if they're blocking out the trailer and not letting him get the putback, you can argue, well, if we got in the right call, we would have had the ball. At the end of the day, we just didn't do enough right in the the closing seconds of the game to seal a victory. Well, and I didn't hear the post game press conference at all, but I guarantee Kenny said something right along those lines. We we had other opportunities to win this game. Not really. No, Kenny's not big on that's that's kind of what he's done in the past though. Like this this one call or one play didn't affect the game. There was other things. It was more like they told me it was a they told me definitively it was a goaltend. That's all I know. Like he hadn't really seen the play yet. Um he very much was doing his whole, like, we told them about how not, like to prevent straight-line drives. We told them about this. I'm like, you're the coach, man. Like, at some, point, at some point, it's not enough just to be like, we told them this, and they didn't do it. Like, your job is to get them to do it. But it, he, was, you know, he was proud of the fight. He was doing the, you know, we were doing that whole thing after the game last night. And, and look, I was proud of the fight, too. They played hard, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, they didn't, didn't win a game. And it's not like this is – this Syracuse team's not going to the NCAA tournament. They've got a first-year head coach. They don't, besides Judah Mintz, they don't have a ton of talent. We made Chris Bell look like an All-American because God knows we don't guard anybody when they've already made seven three-pointers. It's like, do we, do we let him just catch and shoot right in our face? Sure. Hell yeah. Maybe his arms are tired. I don't know. That's the defense. We never, we never adjust. We never adjust. I'm going to get mad. When there's a guy who's made, I don't care if he's a career 22% three-point shooter or a career 75% three-point shooter, when he's made five in a row or six of seven or seven of eight, Stop letting him catch, line up the basket, and shoot the ball. We've done this for two straight years. He's not going to start missing in the, at the end of a game. He's not. If, if a guy's in the zone, make anybody else beat you. We let Chris Bell just catch, square up, stare our guys in the face, and then just shoot eight different times in the game. And he made he made eight of ten from three. Stop doing this. I, at some point, you you know, I'm sure Kenny's like we told him, we told him they couldn't do it. Hammer it in. Say we're going to have to put your ass on the bench if you do it again. He made the biggest shot of the game because we just let him catch and shoot. It drives me absolutely insane, and it has not changed at all in almost two years. The defense was just, you had every opportunity to win this game. And it did, it crushed me because the guys are, to their credit, still playing very hard. They're doing a lot of good things on offense. I, I think the the level of talent on this team is apparent. And I've said this many times, like you can't, you don't have, what, five guys or four guys that have scored 26 points or more in a game this season, which we're one of only two teams in the country that, that has that stat. Mexico's the other. You don't have that when you don't have a roster of guys that can't play at this level. We've got dudes who could play at this level. If we had had, you give the right staff, the right culture, the right system with this exact same roster, 
I firmly believe they could be an NCAA tournament team. Watch stretches of that game last night. If they cared about defense at all, or had a semblance of an idea about how to play defense, they're winning this game and probably like five or six others this year. They just don't. They just don't know what they're doing on that end of the floor, and they haven't for two years. And it's it's hard to watch. It's it's It completely invalidates all the good stuff that happens on the other end of the floor. I mean, Eric Crawford posted the the Ken Palm stats last night. We've it's even more jarring for us as a fan base, I think, because we were so used to being not just a good defensive team, but one of the best defensive teams in the entire country, basically every single year that Rick Pitino was here. So here's where we ranked in, in adjusted defensive efficiency. Starting 2008, the, t- the David Paget's senior year went to the lead eight. We were number four in the country. A year later, number two. 2010 was like the worst defensive team that Patino had, and we were 78th. And, and, you know, that was the Edgar Sosa team. Didn't play a lot of defense, got beat in the first round of the NCAA tournament. 2011, number three in the country. 2012, number one. 2013, number one. 2014, number five. 2015, number four. 2016, number two. 2017, number eight. That's top 10 in nine out of 10 seasons for a decade, basically. You're a top 10 defensive team in the country. It's incredible. The, the David Padgett team that took over, t- took over 39th. Chris Mack's first year, 24th. Second year, 30th. Third year, 44th. The worst team that we thought we'd ever gonna, we're ever going to see in our entire lives, the, the last Chris Mack team, 114th in adjusted defensive efficiency. That's awful. Last year, 312th. Woof. 312th. That's how bad we were defensively. And right now, 231st. So it's better? Than last year, yes. <laughs> it's still over, well over 100 spots worse than what we thought was the worst defensive team we could ever field here at Louisville. There's, there's reasonably bad, like, you, there, there are things that you can stomach in a quote-unquote rebuilding process. Being this bad on that end of the floor, it comes down to just sheer lack of will and lack of teaching. And it, it's one of those red flags that makes you think, when people are trying to argue that this could get better, that you know we're seeing the pieces being put in place, the building blocks are there. Look at the improvement. Yeah, like maybe we could be an NCAA tournament team next year with Kenny Payne. But if the defense is this bad at its worst, I don't think that at its best it can ever be national title good. And that's the objective here. That's the goal here. We must not forget that. We have to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the fans a little bit, their collective response to the game last night, something that I thought was very, very interesting. We'll get into all that. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on a Thursday edition on 1450 and 961, The Big X. Because we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list. And the Statue of Liberty started shaking her fist. And the eagle will fly. And it's gonna be hell when you hear Mother Freedom start ringing her bell. And it'll feel like the whole wide I'll bet you never heard Omar Miss Kitty, have you ever thought of running away? Settling down, would you marry me? If I asked you twice and begged you pretty please She'd have said yes in a New York minute They never tied the knot 
heart wasn't in it, it just stole a kiss as he rode away. He never hung his hat hung where? at Kitty's place. I should have been a cowboy. I should have learned to rope and ride. Wearing my six shoe, riding my pony on the cattle drive. Stealing the young girl's hearts. Like who? Just like Gene and Roy singing those campfire songs. Oh, I should have been a cowboy. Still a good song. Great song. That's a great song. Old school Toby. I'm assuming we're going all Toby today. All Toby. For, for Scoots' yep. Country Thursday. Of course. Okay. Yep. I, I hate doubling up in a week, but someone that was as impactful to me as Toby was, yeah, I've got to do it. We did go with boot up your ass there before the end. Oh, yeah. Right there. Yeah, firing everybody up. Are we going to get uh That's what we're saying to the referees today. Where's ass in the sand? Is that coming up? <laughs> Wrong band. It's coming up. Just play it anyway. <laughs> Toes in the water, ass in the sand. Whiskey for my men. <laughs> I'm just combining songs now. It's fine. Um, I wish the door people were still in here for this. I wonder what the door people would have said. I, I kind of wanted to sing at the beginning of the show, and the door guys were just out there just, just drilling <laughs> probably, away. Probably would have joined you by the looks of them. Probably would have. I mean, they were... <laughs> looked like good old country boys. Just strolling in at 3.03. I was like, this is not the uh, <laughs> 3 o'clock radio show here. Uh, but got to get the door fixed. Door's fixed now. We're all good to go. We are talking about Louisville's loss last night to Syracuse. The other thing that... that there's an on-court conversation to be had. I think we just had it. I think it's relatively straightforward. Louisville is looking like a legitimate power conference team on offense and looking like the worst defensive team we've ever seen in any of our lives. And look, you you can probably beat a couple of teams playing that way this year with the ACC being down, but you're not going to, you're going to lose more games than you win. And I think that's pretty apparent right now. We're two and ten in the ACC. People are talking about this team turning a corner after they, you know, after the new year, after Kenny Payne got the vote of confidence. We've still just won two games since then. Uh, that's not that's not the standard here. I think the on court discussion is is relatively straightforward. Off the court, I, I was talking with a buddy last night after the game, and I got a lot of texts last night from people who were saying, "Yeah, I find myself." kind of rooting against Louisville. Some other people saying I'm not like I, I didn't even know we were playing. Like that whole thing that we've been <laughs> we've been dealing with for basically the last year and a half is very much apparent. I I've already said how I felt like after the game last night. I was it, you know, it, it wasn't it, I'm not going to act like it hurt me the way that a similar loss would hurt if we were 20 and 3 and chasing down a, a one or a two seed in the NCAA tournament and chasing down a conference title or anything. but I was I, w- I was upset. I was pissed off. I I still as upset as I am about the general state of the program, and as much as I may look at it logically and say the best thing for us moving forward, in my eyes, is for us to lose enough to just get rid of Kenny Payne and bring in a head coach who can be better, the, it, as rational as that may be, I, can, I, I can't bring myself to root against Louisville. I can't do it. Whether it's football or whatever, I, I can't pull myself to sit there and say I'm actively rooting for the other team. Other people aren't that way, and I, I, I'm not judging you. I've said it a billion times. I'll say it a billion and one. I'm not judging anybody as far as the way that they're fanning right now. Everyone's just trying to get through this the best way they can, and if you were one of those people who was disappointed when we were, it looked like we were going to win the game last night, I'm not judging you. 
But I was talking with a friend after the game who was very much on the, I'm rooting against Louisville right now because I think it's the best thing for the program bandwagon. And he was talking about, you know, everybody I know besides you is kind of doing this right now. And I, I was like, I hear it a decent amount. I still think the, the bulk of the fan base, the people that are like me, that are upset with the way that things are going but still can't bring themselves to root against Louisville and who still, who still hurt when they see this team win, I, I think they far outnumber the other side. And my buddy said, I think it's 50-50. And I was like, I think it's probably closer to like 75-25, maybe 80-20. And I was like, there's an easy way to, to maybe settle this. Let's put a Twitter question up. So I put it up after the game and, and just said pretty straightforwardly, Post-game question of the day. We do it every game, every, game, every day. <laughs> Are you upset that Louisville lost the game? Yes or no? And I get that this isn't an exact science. I get that there are a decent amount of people who follow me who aren't Louisville fans. And, you know, Kentucky fans maybe are skewing the poll a little bit because they're going to vote no. They're going to, you know, they me too. change the results. I yes. voted. You, so you voted no. I voted no, yeah. Like, there are, the, you know, there, there are some general college basketball fans that still follow me when I was doing more general college basketball stuff who maybe voted no, but we had about what, like 3,300 votes, and it was close. Yes, one, the, the amount of people who said they were upset about the game outnumbered the amount of people who said that they that they weren't upset about the game. Somewhat surprising, right? But it was 53 to 47%. Again, I thought it was going to be closer to like 75, 25. For I, yes or no? For yes. I, I thought that as mad as people are about the current state of the program, they're still upset when we lose. And while it's not quite 50-50, it's pretty damn close. And, and again, I think it's probably a little bit skewed by some of the results. But you've got – there are a lot more people than I thought who are there right now. And, who, and again, I'm not judging you. Who are sitting there saying, I've watched this team, this program my entire life. I, I, I bleed red. I'm desperate for us to get back to winning. And I'm sitting down now on a biweekly basis, and I'm rooting against the team that I love. And it's – it's crazy. It, it, it's And one more time, I'm not judging you. for. I'm not even sure that it's necessarily the, the wrong approach. But the fact that we've gotten to this point, it's like Ron Cooper era, where people are like, we just can't do another year of this. If we're down by, by 30 points, let's go ahead and make it 50 because we've got to move on from this. People are at that point with this basketball program. And, and it's sad to me because I do think it's very clear the team hasn't checked out. The guys, The, the kids are still playing hard. They have made strides offensively. There's no question about it. These games that they're, you know, that game last night, if if someone playing us in late November shot 63% from the field or whatever it was that Syracuse shot last night and made 10 threes and outscored us by 11 at the free throw line, we'd probably lose that game by 35. And we should have won that game last night. None of it excuses the fact that we're sitting here with just seven wins going into the the final month of the season that we're 2-10 and ten in conference. We've got one win away from home in two years under Kenny Payne. None of it excuses that. But he does at least get credit for keeping the ship together in terms of like the people on the ship still wanting to be there. Nobody's left. Nobody's out there just going through the motions. The guys that are playing are playing hard. And you've seen like Tyler Johnson emerge towards the end of the season. I think Sky Clark has gotten better. Trey White definitely has gotten better in, in recent weeks. Brandon Huntley-Hatfield has been, I mean, he, he looks like an NBA guy a lot of the time out there. There are pieces on this team that you can build around. 
even with all of that being true, the fact that you have all those pieces and you've won only seven games and you've lost 16 times and you kind of have lost in the same way consistently from start to finish, it just, to me, reinforces the fact that the right people to steer the ship are not in place. And you just you can't do this for another year. You can't. There's enough evidence at this point. Yeah, he could be... Yeah, it's getting better. Any coach who knows anything about basketball, though, is going to get better and show strides after a 4-28 and season. The problems that are apparent, there's some, there, there are some problems that I don't think are going away if you keep him here for five or six years. I'm not saying Kenny Payne couldn't take Louisville to the NCAA tournament. I'm just saying I don't think Kenny Payne's ever going to win a national title here. And that's the goal. By the way, I listened to the pregame last night on my way home. Uh huh. His pregame interview was pretty good. What did he say? I didn't hear it. I mean, it, it, I don't know that it was about the content. I think it was more so about like the way he was speaking, putting together. Like he didn't say anything dumb. Everything made sense that he was saying. It was just it's a good interview. Well, that's good. I didn't like take anything away from it, but I, I just kept waiting. I was sitting there driving, and I kept waiting for him to just say something boneheaded, and he just never did. So we've, we've seen this team in, in the last three games. You know, They very nearly came back to beat a Clemson team that's probably going to go to the NCAA tournament. They beat a Florida State team and scored 101 points in the process. That's, you know, again, not great, but is in the top 80 in the country in, in both the net rankings and Ken Pomeroy. And then it had a Syracuse team beat on the road that it was 10-1 was and one at home going into this game. So seeing the way that they're playing now, You've got eight games left in this season. Seven of them on paper are, I would say, winnable. At Duke is, is, is not probably a winnable game. But you play Georgia Tech, who just looked awful in their last time out and who's down there with you in the, the mid-100s on Ken Palm. You play Boston College, who's not very good. You play Pitt, who's that's probably the second toughest game you have because you have to play them away. You play Notre Dame, who's maybe worse than you are right now. You play Syracuse, that same team that you should have beaten on the road, you get them at home. Virginia Tech is, maybe it has an outside shot to make the NCAA tournament. They're probably not going to be there. You get them at home. And then you get that bad Boston College team again at home. What do we think? You know the one thing that scares me about that Notre Dame game? What's that? Coaching. Shrewsbury is a better coach than, than Payne, but they're terrible. Like they've got no good players. They're just, and they've been, yeah, but teams... This team not quitting. Notre Dame has looked like they're getting their asses handed to them. They've lost, uh, what, like eight straight games? And I think the last three have all been by double figures. Mm. And they're not playing like they're playing the same teams that we're playing. The ACC's not great. Um, but, but would I be shocked if we lost them? Of course not. But when I read you that schedule, one kind of probably guaranteed loss at Duke, and then seven games that you feel like, you know, they're certainly not any more unwinnable than than Florida State or, or on the road against Miami were. How many do you think Louisville's winning out of these last eight? Yeah, oh man. Um, it's really tough to say for me because I'm not going to be as hopeful for the road games as a Louisville fan just due to the fact that they've won one game on the road in, in two years. Should have won last night. As though. you mentioned. So I almost, the game at Boston College, at Pittsburgh, and at Duke are almost throwaways for me. Okay. You're I saying 0-3 on the road. I could see them beating Boston College. If they're going to beat one of those teams on the road, I think it would probably be Boston College. Safest bet. I, Georgia Tech feels almost feels like a win this weekend. They're favored. 
Georgia Tech is? No, Louisville, Louisville. is. What's, how much? One point. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I mean that that one I feel like could be a win. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go ahead and give you all the Boston College one as well. Well, we'll we'll take okay. that. I'll say mm, maybe Boston College at home. I'm saying three more wins at most. I think it'll win four games. I do. You get you count Notre Dame in that. Or I, Syracuse? I I think they'll beat Georgia Tech this weekend. Mm-hmm. I think they'll beat Notre Dame on the 21st. I think they'll beat Syracuse and Boston College at home. So you're you're thinking 0 for three on the road as well. Yes. Okay. But again, like I wouldn't be shocked if they beat Boston College. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they beat any of these teams besides Duke, basically. Yeah, like like which means they'll probably beat win Duke, and that'll be their only win for the rest of the year. Could be. I mean, hell, <laughs> they they played with Duke for a portion of that game earlier, but Cameron indoors is a different beast. I don't think they're ready for that. But I think they're gonna go four and four. I really do. Um, and that leaves us with a thirteen and nineteen overall record and a 6 and 14 record in the ACC going into the conference tournament where they could easily win another game or two once again for me it's a no brainer that's not good enough if you told me going into the season that he's going to win 13 games i'd be like you can't do it that's 17 total wins over your first 2 years nobody 2 years ago would have signed up for that nobody would have said that's good enough nobody would have hired him if they'd known that was was going to happen and everyone would have said you have to move on if that's the case. The fact that they started off so poorly this year and were just so woeful last year, you don't get bonus points for for playing better down the stretch. All the games matter. It all goes on your resume. It's all part of how we evaluate you. It's like when we look at these games where they make runs, and it's like, well, you know, they, they made the big run against Clemson. They also gave up a bunch of big runs against Clemson. All 40 minutes of these games matter. We can't just look at the positive here. We were talking about it on Spears today. What do you think? the crowd will look like Saturday do you think it was they've done enough the last two games to rope some more people back in or are we expecting similar to how it's been no I think it'll be similar to how it's been I think you'll see the the average home game this year when you haven't had like a boost for whatever reason whether it's you know Kentucky playing there Duke playing there or something it's been and again not the announced attendance but the the actual scan tickets it's been between six and seven thousand and I'm going to guess that it's about the same thing this weekend. Georgia Tech's not a sexy opponent. It's a game, maybe more people come because they think it's a game that they could win. But I don't think that just beating FSU and then almost beating Syracuse, two teams that are, again, in the grand scheme of things, not very good. In a normal year, normal by our standards, we would say you have to win these games. I don't think that is going to bring a ton of people in just because they're playing a little bit better. Now, I will say, I think the people that are there on Saturday are going to be loud mm-hmm. because the crowds that the people that have been coming to games. And I know that there was some talk. I think people who were there on last Saturday were saying it was one of the first times you heard Kenny Payne audibly booed when they announced his name during the starting lineups. But for the most part, the people who are going to these games are like the diehard. Nothing can ever be wrong. Like I'm never going to root against my team. I'm never going to be apathetic. I'm always all in and they're bringing the energy and it's great. Because I do think the players feed off it a little bit. I mean, the NC State crowd a few weeks weekends ago was terrific, and that was when we had very little to be excited about. I know we we're coming off the Miami game, but we still were were a pretty woeful record and not much a hope for for turning things around. So I think it'll be a loud crowd, but I think it'll be in the ballpark of what we've seen for the most part, between six and seven thousand, which is still sad. Uh, Thornton's text line five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. We'll hear from you after the break. It's hour number two. It's your time to shine. Hit us up. We'll read some text after the break here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. I should have learned to roll around. 
96.1 The Big X. Do you have a go-to watering hole, Scoots? Not really. No. No, I don't. I don't really get out a whole lot. So it's okay. No. Back I mean, I've had I've had times in my lives or in my lives. Sure. In my life where yeah, I had my go-to place, but that was that was when I was living down in Florida. Here, I really haven't gotten that place yet. Sinking the biz in Bloomington. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was always fun. Yeah. I got really really sick one time doing that. Did you? I remember it was like, it was like did I drink too much, or was it because everybody's hands was in this gigantic like bucket of beer that we all were drinking out of? That game was so could fun. Go either way. You you could take so much time and just play one game of Sink the Biz. It was so fun. It was fun. I went to Bloomington twice. I had a ball both times. I think Great I threw place. up both times. Great place. Still where well worth it. I lost count of how many times I threw up. Ah, to so. be young. To be young. Four o'clock hour here at the Mike Rutherford Show. We have a couple of things to get into today, not just all hoops, but the ACC is making Louisville fans and really the entire conference outside of North Carolina upset. With, I'm kind of upset with you. With with me? In regards to this. Yeah. Why? Because well, I mean, do you want to get into it first? And then sure. we can I mean, then so, we can get into why I'm upset with you. So the ACC announced today the future sites for a number, I think actually it was a total of forty of its conference championships. And every single one is in the state of North Carolina. We got men's and women's soccer. It's in Cary, North Carolina for the next five years. Every swim and dive championship is in Greensboro. Every golf championship is either in Wilmington or Greensboro. Women's basketball, Greensboro and Charlotte. Men's basketball, Charlotte and Greensboro. Gymnastics, Greensboro. Rowing, Raleigh. Men's and women's tennis, Carrot, uh, back in Cary. Baseball, Charlotte or Durham, every single year. There are only, f- we, we have 18 teams in the ACC. Four are from the state of North Carolina. Four. I get why why the headquarters can be there. I get why you have to have some of the conference championships there. But this is not the All Carolina Conference. It's the Atlantic Coast Conference. Let's not act. And why do we have to? North Carolina wants to leave anyway. Why are we just catering to them? Grow up. Get out. Show some diversity. Send Miami a championship. Louisville did a great job hosting the the the, the baseball championship a few years ago. Louisville just hosted the like. The, the freaking Final Four for men's soccer this past year at Lynn Family Stadium. We're not good enough to host an ACC tournament? Come on. So what, why are you really upset about this? What's, they, the, what's the one or two things that just this drives you up the wall? Because because they just cater to the North Carolina school. They cater to Tobacco Road. It's, it seems like it's all that matters in this conference. They get, you know, everything has to revolve around primarily Duke and Carolina and to a lesser extent the other two Carolina schools. It's annoying. That's who, it. Who, Wake Forest and who else? NC State. Oh, duh. No kidding. 
So when I first saw this today, I was perusing your Twitter, making sure I'm, I'm all caught up on anything we might discuss sure. here today. And when I first saw that, I kind of read your tone in the in the tweet. I was like, well, he's not very happy about this. Whereas when I see that, I'm thinking, I, I don't so much think of we're catering around North Carolina and, and Duke. I, obviously, I thought of all the North Carolina schools. But then I started digging deeper, and I was like, well, if you really think about it, all the the West Coast teams aside, the ones that are joining, but that's really kind of the central location, right? For the for the entirety of the conference. I mean, you do have four schools in the Northeast. I think that's like dead in the middle of all the conferences. So for me, it made the most sense for them to be in North Carolina. Well, here's the other thing, though, that the the ACC is being talked about as like, you know, it's dying. It's a conference that's going out, and mm-hmm. you know, they've they've got to do whatever they can to survive, and. You want to extend your footprint, right? All these conferences are going, you know, they're hosting their conference tournaments in in New York and Washington, D.C. and Chicago, and the Big 12 is always in Kansas City, and and we're just going to stay in Greensboro. Greensboro, North Carolina. It's not sexy enough for you? No, it sucks. It's crap. Nobody cares about tournaments in Greensboro. North Carolina is great, though. I mean, it gives you a lot of opportunities to go to North Carolina. It's overrated. (laughs) It's overrated. I like North Carolina before we joined the ACC. It's just, it's... I've always wanted to live there. Always has to revolve around those schools. Always has to revolve around North Carolina. Only four of the uh, of the teams out of 18. There are 14 teams in this conference that don't reside in the state of North Carolina. Maybe throw them a bone every now and then. That's all I'm saying. Where should it be? Rotating. I mean, like, what are what are some of the sites that you want to see? I mean, I liked it when it was in Brooklyn. I would love to have that the ma- Madison Square Garden. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, you got Syracuse up there. You got Pitt up there. Got Boston College up there. You're extending your imprint if you want to try to, you know, get more coverage for the conference in a big market. It's yeah, better than Greensboro. I guess you got that. Yeah, I mean, Big Ten did theirs and and the Barclays Center. So yeah, I mean, you know, we had to we fought with the A10 a couple of times for for years and the Big Ten a couple of times and all these other conferences are doing it, but we we stay in Greensboro or you know we get a little diverse. And we go to Charlotte. So. See, I, I think one of the other issues I had with I guess the tone you took with it was. The fact that Big Ten lately, this is specifically for men's basketball, but they've been branching out and doing the Big Ten tournament in odd places. I mentioned New York. They, they're they going to do one, I think, in Minneapolis, or they already have. Whereas when I was growing up, it was always kind of centrally located in either Indianapolis, Indianapolis or Chicago. Right. And that's I just feel like that was the good middle ground for everybody. So that's that's kind of the same mindset I had with the whole ACC thing is that that seems like the good middle ground for everybody in the conference. It's in Big Ten tournaments in Minneapolis this year, if I'm not mistaken. It, it is this year. Okay. Yeah. Um, I liked I, I've always thought I can't remember if it was the year before COVID or the year immediately after COVID. It was one of the years where maybe it was 2018 when they played in, in the Garden. Where they had to play their tournament the week before all the other power conferences. Big Ten. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, you know, the Big East gets Madison Square Garden. They've got top billing. So they had it for that week. And so the Big Ten, they wanted to play in New York, but they had to play it a full week. They played it with like most of the mid major tournaments that first week of championship mm-hmm. week. I remember that. Yeah. I would like to have like one comp, one of the six major conferences play their, their tournament a week earlier because it was so fun to have in the middle of all these like, oh, the Ohio Valley semifinals are go- going on, but also Iowa and Ohio State are playing. A huge game for NCAA tournament bubble purposes. Oh, you're you're on to something. How about this? How about we take those six conferences, we'll combine the records of all the teams. Whoever has the worst record out of those conferences, they play a week earlier. I like that idea. Yeah. It's fun. That would be fun. Just throw one. Because 
Well, know, and then you would have more incentive to keep out for like record watch, I guess. Because I love watching the the smaller market games. I know most people don't, but like I I, I get very into conference tournaments. Um, I, I love you know the A Suns always that week. The Ohio Valley is always that week. But like the biggest conference tournament in week one is almost always the Missouri Valley Arch Madness, which is a, a great conference tournament. It's a it's a cool event, but it's still in almost every year, especially now, a one bid league. Now, I say that. That may change this year because Indiana State probably is going to be good enough to be an at-large team this year. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's a one-bid league tournament. And it's nice to have just kind of like one of the big guys out there with all the little guys going on. So if you know if, if there's blowouts happening and it's where you don't feel like watching you know, Moorhead State versus whoever, Southeast Missouri State, you, get, you, you had a chance that year to flip over and watch you know Indiana play, play Northwestern in a game that actually had – full bearing on the NCAA tournament early on the in, in like the first or second round. So it was fun, but we haven't gotten it since then. All right, we we little quick left turn there, but we we, we will stay all focused on the Louisville stuff. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton text line. You guys have loaded up the text line per usual. <laughs> it's incredible. Thornton's uh, hooking up with the best deals all 2024 long. If you want to take advantage, become a refreshing rewards member today. Take advantage of all the best deals. At the pump and inside any one of this area's 65,222 Thornton's locations. Do that and then text us at 502-414-1450. Texter says, The Stockholm Syndrome going on with Kenny Payne should be studied by psychologists for years. I mean, I, I think that most Louisville fans are not being captive, held captive by Kenny Payne. But some are. Texas, listen, I'm a simple man with simple pleasures. All I ask is for the next head coach to be good enough to bring the villain HD guy out of hiding and have him drop victory highlights like the good old days. Villain HD, a.k.a. and villain. An absolute Louisville legend. When he came, like, he kind of quit after, I think it was the 2014 season. And then when he came back for, it was the North Carolina comeback game where Trez had the crazy alley-oop dunk. When he put out a, a highlight video like the day after that, it was city was on fire. People were just going nuts. And I don't think he's been heard from since then. Some people made uh, Card Chronicle shirts way back in the day because nobody knew who this guy was. They still I, I still have no idea who he is. But they made these like Card Chronicle shirts with the logo on the front and then on the back it just said I am Anvil villain. It was great. But I, yeah, <laughs> you were saying they didn't know who Card Chronicle was. No, 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 no. They, like, we didn't uh, know who Villain HD was. This uh, he was. He was a video-making legend. He and Crumb's Revenge made some fantastic videos back in the day. And now I will say like our own video department has stepped it up considerably. I kind of just want to get good again to see what the video department can do with, with great products. Like they, they're, they're putting out these bangers where it's, you know, Trey White highlights in, in a 70-64 to 64 loss to Clemson. Imagine if we were actually good at basketball, how much fun their videos could be. Because they do a, a terrific job, and they've had a limited amount of material to work with for sure since they got here. Texture says pretty straightforward. I hate this bleeping team. <laughs> it's just such a straight. Every now and then you get such a straightforward text that it just makes me laugh. Texture says, I'm just here to confirm my reports that head coach Dan Hurley is considering Louisville. Whoa. There was a very ominous uh, tweet earlier. I don't know, ominous isn't the right but word. The, but the, the, the Trilly Donovan yeah. tweet. Yeah, I mean, I made a joke. You did. Yeah. Because Charlie Donovan said there's one coach in the Big East and one coach in the Big 12 that could really get the carousel spinning if they move. And I just said there's only one way to read that. It's Danny Hurley to Louisville, obviously. But I don't think that's the case. My guess is the coach in the Big 12 is Jerome Tang. 
the coach in the Big East would presumably be Sean Miller, but I don't know. I don't know what Troy's thinking these days. Who knows? But yeah, if Danny Hurley did come to Louisville, I would. How often is he wrong? Um, when it comes to recruits and stuff like that, he's been pretty spot on. He's clearly getting fed information from all these programs, and uh, most of the time, it's been right. He said some uh, he was wrong about some Louisville stuff back in the day. It's because <laughs> the same people that were feeding wrong information to everybody were feeding wrong information to him. It was like Mackenzie and Baco gonna go to Louisville, and nope, that that didn't happen. But he always does. It's always like a vague reference, so he can kind of cover his tracks. Trust me, as a guy who has Mbako on his team, man, he would have been frustrating for yeah, this team. Mbako, I mean, imagine that if we'd gotten him, everyone would have been like, "This staff doesn't know how to evaluate talent." I, I mean, he's he's playing great now, but those first ten, fifteen games, woof. He was, he was terrible against us for sure. Yeah. Texture says, I know you hate the phrase Operation Basketball, but maybe the UofL Athletic Department should brand the rest of the regular season as Operation Kenny Payne Termination. I do hate Operation Basketball. OKPT. OKPT. Yeah. I like that. By the way, I told Gil about your uh, comment yesterday about the no look. What did you call it? Uh, no no look, look plop, plop down. down the NL- NLPD. NLPT. He loved it. You can't have a no look plop down. <laughs> you got to at least look. It's just it's just just common practice. Texas, you said you were surprised that the post game question of the day poll was so close. Were you surprised because you thought more people would say yes or more people would say no? Well, we got into you texted before we could really get into it. I, I was surprised that I thought more people would say yes, but my friend was right. Texas, Ted Valentine is the Kenny Payne of college basketball reps. True that. He's so obnoxious. The whole like you know it just it, it's. I get that he's got a crazy story. But it's the it's the the Teddy Valentine show every time he's on. I'm pretty sure he's the he's the ref that made Bob Knight throw the chair. No, I want to say really. I want to or no, he's the ref. He a long time ago. He gave Bobby Knight three technicals in one game. That that sounds you, more like you, it. You can't get more than two. That's that's a fact. <laughs> that was those are the rules. Uh, I'm wondering now who the ref was. Probably Higgins for the uh, chair throw. Yeah. It was Phil Bova. Hmm, never Bo- heard of him. Bova D's. Uh, <laughs> Phil Bova was the uh, the ref who ejected him. There you go. For the chair. For the chair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, okay. Well, he was the ref who ejected him. But he, Knight was yelling at referee Fred Jaspers, who came over to warn him. And then that was when he threw the chair. So he basically he threw the chair in reaction to Jaspers, but Bova was technically the ref, the ref who ejected him. Nobody cares about that. Why, why, why am I going? Nobody cares about Fred Jaspers. <laughs> I was wondering why you delved into it. I'm acting like 85 people are at home right now, like Googling Fred Jaspers to fact check me. <laughs> I could have just made up a name there and been fine. Texture says, uh, forget the coach talk. Let's empty the bag to get Robbie Avila to be a card. Are you familiar with Robbie Avila's game, Scoots? I am. Yeah. Oh, my God. You asked me this a couple weeks Did ago, I? Okay. And I, I was not familiar then, but I have since seen him a couple times. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. It's the easiest prediction in the world that this guy is going to like take over the country for a solid <laughs> week next month because, I mean, he's awesome, but he looks like the nerd at the YMCA that you can't believe is that good at basketball. Like He's a little bit overweight. He wears goofy-looking goggles. He's also tatted up on his right arm. He takes breaks from the games and just goes over to the sideline, reads his book. Like you wouldn't be shocked at all if you saw him just like smoking on the bench, just like <laughs> huffing cigs. And he's a baller. Like like he's he's the best player on maybe the best mid major team in the entire country. Uh, he, he's there's no other way I can. I mean, just Google him. He's cool as hell. And 
if Indiana State wins the Missouri Valley t- tournament, th- I mean, hell, they're probably going to be a single-digit seed. And they could definitely win multiple games in the, in the NCAA tournament. And, and Robbie Avila is going to take this country. You circle this right this Are they down. out of the conference standings? What do you mean? Like, I, I thought they still had a shot to win the regular season league, too. No, they do. I, I'm just saying, like, there, I guess there's an outside shot that if they lost in the conference tournament, they wouldn't make the NCAA tournament. Um, what the, conference is that? The Missouri Valley. They're 21 and, and 3. I think they've got a very good shot to get an at large bid. But if they, like, if they don't slip up, like, they're probably going to be a single digit seed, maybe like a high single digit seed, five, six, six, seven. And if they win a couple games in the NCAA tournament, like, Robbie Avila is going to be, he's going to be the most talked about athlete in America for a solid 48 hours. He'll get a spot on, if they make the tournament, he'll get a spot on one shining moment, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, like, he's going to become a social media star. Yeah. And that's a very easy prediction to make. Texas, I'm very happy to see Brent Huntley Hatfield having the consistency and effort. It is leading by example on the floor. All of my panic and worry about there being a year three is converted into actual worry about a year three. I guess this is going to be the thing. <laughs> Unless like they lose to Georgia Tech this weekend and then you know, lay an egg. Uh, who's it, is it BC after that? Yeah, Boston College. Uh, the classic Tuesday night, 9 o'clock game. We only play Boston College on Tuesdays at 9 o'clock on the road. It's the weirdest thing in the world, but I don't, I don't know why. They, they always do it. Unless we lose these two games back to back and look kind of crappy in the process, I think people are, are are still going to be terrified about this year three thing. Like this is going to become the conversation, even more so if they win both those games. Texter said, "Oh, TJ sent him an, uh, an image. Oh, the, the, he sent a picture of the door completely off its hinges, <laughs> and Roush looking terrified. <laughs> Roush pulled it off. I told you this Big, was going to happen. Man. I told you. I, mean, I was like, uh, I thought it might break the copier." But that door it was coming off. But now it's back. We had we had our best man on it. I just closed it. It's not. I wouldn't say it closes perfectly. Um, it takes a little bit of muscle, but it's much much better than it was. Sure. The problem has been fixed. Wasn't there a thing with uh, with with Calipari when he was hired at UK like the door where they all were like staring at this door that he was going to walk out of after the big meeting? I feel like our door is better. Is that why you trademark door on your yeah it's, it's tweet today? It's the door. It's this is the real door. Big X door. Texas says, I saw your poll on Card Chronicle that about 54% of people were upset that we lost last night and 46 weren't. Count me in the 46. I'm terrified that we'll beat enough of these dogs left on the schedule and be competitive enough in the losses that KP might wind up getting a third year after all. This is going to be like 65% of the text line now (laughs) moving forward. It's just people who are horrified at the thought of Kenny Payne getting a year three. And I get it. Like We've been acting since like the... I mean, hell, like since kind of like the exhibition loss, but really after the the losses to DePaul and Arkansas State back in December, we've just kind of been acting like it's a foregone conclusion that this is all done in mid March, and I still think it is. I'll still be shocked if he's here back here for a third year, but now like, I mean the team is showing signs of life. They're not, you know, they're bad, but they're not worst power conference team we've ever seen bad. And I think people are justifiably nervous that this guy who's been kept around after the worst season in program history and the worst start to a second season in program history is now going to be kept around for a third year after the worst two-year start of any coach in program history. And all we have to do is wait. There's nothing else we can do. We'll find out. Texas Afrin rebound is no joke. What's that mean? I don't know. Afrin rebound is no joke. 
So I mean like they is there like a, a hangover effect from Afrin? I don't think so. I, I freaking love Afrin. If you've never used it, it's like squirting um what's the stuff you put on your vapor rub. It's like putting vapor rub straight up your nose. It's incredible. Hmm. Is rebound congestion if you okay, so if you overuse it, so basically all like Afrin does and these nasal decongestants, they just like shove all the stuff in your nose like up farther. Mm-hmm. So eventually, like that stuff, it comes back down. Mm-hmm. So I guess that technically is what Afrin Rebound does. Well, that's I must be on the Afrin Rebound today. Once you have a rebound congestion, the most important thing to know is that it won't go away so long as you keep using the spray. Once you stop using the spray, the resulting congestion can take a week or longer to go away. Oh, perfect. You better keep sounding like this. <laughs> Texture says, my guy Mike. Is Jeff's favorite phrase, he's played a lot of football. It kind of makes me smile every time I hear it. In Jeff's D, we believe. He did say it. I know they, they talked about Tyler's shock yesterday. and um, <laughs> I like that. I mean, Jeff, he'll use the same sort of cliches regardless of what the conversation is, but he wanted to say, like, Tyler shuck has got something to prove, which felt hilarious after him saying that it was his seventh year of college football coming up. He's like, it's seventh year. He's got, he's got something to prove here. <laughs> like, well, he had six years to prove it. But he did talk about it. He's played a lot of football. Um, we like him. I, I did like he kind of went in depth because Brom had media availability yesterday, and he did a lot of breakout interviews with like Kent Taylor and, and Kendrick Haskins and uh, Tyler Griever and some of the news people. Did not do a breakout interview with us, but whatever. Not, not, not that upset about it. But he was asked about how concerned are this. This guy has not been able to stay healthy. How much of a that? How much of a concern was that? when you chose to bring him in to presumably be your starting quarterback for the next season. And Brom said we, they studied exactly what the injuries were. They had him in for a physical. They analyzed all the different injuries. They went through it in great detail and kind of came to the conclusion that the injuries were just more unlucky stuff that happened during the season as opposed to there's something wrong with him. He's he's more liable to have this same, like, like an ACL tear, tear. Once you do it once, you're more likely to, to do it again and again and again. And that hasn't really, he hasn't had those types of injuries. They've been kind of broken bones. And he said, there's always going to be a risk for injury. He's going to work hard to get his body ready to play. We're going to work hard to put him in a great position and surround him with great talent. Which, you know, I think in Brahm's eyes, he's like, get dudes around him where he can get the ball out quickly. Uh, We can rely on the traditional running game a little bit, give him a great offensive line. And he's taking less hits and there's less of a likelihood he's going to have yet another season cut short by injury. So I, I, I like the answer. I get it. But I also get the concern. Texas says, I just started using Flonase last week, and it's incredible. I think we saw Nate Bergazzi, the, the comedian. I think this is in his his latest Netflix special, but it definitely he definitely talked about it when he came here and performed at the Center for the Arts about how he's like addicted to Flonase now. And he's like, he's like, you hear that little spray? My wife's like, what was that? And he's like, I can't live like this. <laughs> It is a great feeling. Texture says, hey, y'all should try this nasal squirt thing I used. It's called Katina Pal. It works wonders. Uh-huh. Classic angry guy. Texas scoots, try breathe right nasal strips. I think you talked me into that. I, th- I think I'm going to go grab some when I leave here today. Yeah. Just so I can maybe get some. I mean, I, I've been sleeping okay. I've just been waking up a lot because I can't breathe. Texas Scoots was right yesterday outside of Drew and Samson. TJ Osselberger should be the top choice for the Louisville job. If Iowa State reaches the second weekend of the tournament, how many coaches will check as many boxes as TJ? I think TJ is like 
it, it became a thing on the show where we're talking about him and we're like, why are we not talking more about this guy? And I think it's become like genuine discuss. I'm not saying we started this, but I, like, I think it's become more of a genuine discussion amongst Louisville fans. Like, why? Like, this guy kind of seems to have it. We're talking about like we've we spent so much time last year discussing how programs are turning things around with the snap of a finger these days, and like how possible it is with the transfer portal and and, and nil and all this stuff. And the example that we always pointed to is is Iowa State. You win two games, bam! The next year you're you're going to a Sweet Sixteen with a new hire. Maybe you hire the guy that made that happen. If if you keep pointing to it as evidence for why things should be better at your own program, maybe it's like, hey, we just bring that guy over. And it's not like he was a one-hit wonder. I know they got beat in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year, but they were a six seed. Six seed not bad for a program like Iowa State. I know they've they've been better when they've had it humming, but it's it's not just a guaranteed thing that when you're at a program like Iowa State, you're going to be a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament every year. Guess what they're going to be this year? A single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament. They may be a, a top three, top four seed in the NCAA tournament. This guy is he's got the goods. I do, I do kind of think we started it. For what it's worth. I mean, even if we didn't, we take credit for it. It's like the <laughs> high five. It's ours. Should we do our coaching surgeon Canada today? Let's do it. This feels like a perfect time. Uh, give me a number. I'm going to open it up today. One through 200. Wide open. Oh, man. Um, what did you say Louisville was in the net? Oh, beyond 200? No, dang. No, no, no. Um, we're, no we're in the top 200. You could presumably pick any pain. <laughs> I wish I knew the number. Uh, let's go 41. I think this is a repeat. Really? Yeah. We've been doing that a lot lately. That's not Just good. twice. 77. Hold on, hold on. Let me make sure that it's, it's a repeat. Yeah. Okay. First, of all, first of all, I did say if we picked the same guy three times, then it would become my choice. That's not the third, is it? We now have Fran McCaffrey and Kyle Smith with both two voids. Oh, that, boy. That was Kyle Smith of Washington State, who was the, uh, the, the, the first choice there. Who's Okay, what was your second number? Let's go 77. Mm. <laughs> okay. I'm using the the net rankings today, by the way. Do you have any idea? I mean, this is <laughs> if you got mad that we hired Kenny Payne, who had no coaching experience. How about hiring a first year head coach out of the Sun Belt, folks? <laughs> um, we take it back. Formerly of the Sun Belt, now of uh, the American Athletic Conference. Ross Hodge, who? is currently the head coach of the North Texas Mean Green, who are off to a 13-9 and start overall and 6-4 and in the AAC. Uh, I know nothing about Ross Hodge. <laughs> he, he's young. Looks he, young. Uh, he's, got, he's a first-year head coach in North Texas. I would hope he's not that old. Um, <laughs> Good point. He played at Paris Junior College. And then Texas A&M Commerce clearly has a, a Texas pedigree. Started coaching at Texas A&M Commerce, became the head coach at Paris Junior College, and then Coach Midland was their head coach from 29 to 2011. Assistant at Southern Miss, then Colorado State, then Arkansas State under a former Louisville uh, assistant, Mike Bellotto. And then the associate head coach in North Texas the last six seasons, and now the head coach of the North Texas Mean Green. He at Midland College, Scoots, Went thirty and three his first year, wow, and then thirty one and four his second year, and finished as the NJCAA Division One runner up. He's a winner. Lost the national title game. Only forty three, by the way. Don't you call Midland games sometimes? Midway, Midway. That's right. 
Midlands and Texas. That's right. not not traveling there to do games. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I thought maybe we had a tie in there. It's all Texas. Yeah, now I know Ross Hodge. Yeah, he was the coach. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, if we're power ranking these, Ross Hodge is dead last. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no disrespect to Ross Hodge. I would have him in front of Fran McCaffrey. Can you for imagine what it's worth? Can you imagine? I mean, we talked about like things that Kenny Payne could do to prove that he's trolling. If Josh Hurd was like Ross Hodge, <laughs> we, like it would be the ultimate. Like this guy's just screwing with us. He's pissed off at the way we've treated him. He wants out of here. Uh, Ross Hodge. He's on the list, folks. <laughs> it's like this is like Jed Fish. We made fun of it. It's just it's fun. It's a fun name to say. And now I feel like Ross Hodge is gonna be the next big star in coaching. <laughs> North Texas is gonna win this conference. They're gonna go to the NCAA tournament. They're gonna have it rolling. Ross Hodge on the list. He is candidate number twenty-five on this list. Palpable buzz that Ross Hodge and Josh Hurd have mutual interest. That's what we're saying today. Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you on the Thornton's text line. Reacting to Louisville's 94-92 to loss at Syracuse last night. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. We keep it rolling next here on 1450 The Big X. It's my kind of place. Just walk in through the front door. Put a big smile on my face. It ain't too far. Come as you are. Somebody been abused, somebody blew up a building, somebody stole a car, somebody got away, somebody didn't get too far, yeah. Sing it, Scoots. They didn't get too far. This was always my favorite part. Grandpappy told my pappy back in my day, son. I don't know. <laughs> like you just have to change your voice if it's you're on the willy part. Oh, no. Not like that. Now you do. It's factual. Uh, welcome back in. Uh, Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here. 1450-961, the Big X. Uh, I saw Joe Lenardi now just uh, five seconds ago put out a new bracketology. Uh, Louisville not featured, mm. unfortunately. That's a, that's a It's a tough break. I can relate. My team's probably not either. There's no probably about it, Scoots. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, they do have the the very first team left out of the field of 68, though, is notable. The St. John's Red Storm, coached by one Rick Pitino. The first team on the outside looking into the NCAA tournament right now, according to one Joe Lenardi. Wake Forest, coached by uh, candidate, my Rutherford Show candidate list coach Steve Forbes, is the second team left out. The last team in is Cincinnati. We have not had Wes Miller on the list yet. Maybe we can pick him, but... Uh, they're in. Seton Hall is also in. Dre Davis, by the way, 25 points, 10 rebounds last night in Seton Hall's victory. He is, I saw Jerry Carino wrote this, he is making a case to be an all-Big East player this season, which is, I mean, good for him. He's had a hell of a year. Do you see the other big Big East news of last night? Do you know what I'm talking about if I say that? Um, No. So, Ed Cooley, who has been... At the center of a lot of oh, yeah. drama in, in the Big East this. recently. Um, made the move from Providence to Georgetown. The whole Providence-Georgetown thing was a was a huge deal uh, a couple of Saturdays ago when he made his return to the Dunkin' Donuts Center. I'm not going to call it what it is now. 
but he's having a bad year. They Georgetown very much a rebuilding project. They're eight and fourteen overall. They're just one and ten in the conference. Their only league win is over DePaul. And last night they played at Seton Hall, and apparently one of the students there was he's got a huge contract at uh, at Georgetown, and one of the students is trash talking him. He's like he's like you're making seven million dollars per win or something like that to Ed Cooley. And Cooley, according to Jerry Carino, who does a great job covering New Jersey hoops, walks over to the fan and says, you know what? I'm rich as a mother bleeper. I'm rich as bleep. <laughs> Which is an honest response. Maybe a D-bag move, but... Definitely a D-bag move. He's not wrong. He, it, it, it's a, It's an effective retort. I'll say this. I'm not sure it's the best conference in America this season. There's no conference in America that's more entertaining than the Big East. I mean, the the, the barbs, the, 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 every single night there's competitive games. That's been the case for a few years I now. think so, too. I mean, the shots they take at each other. Like It also is It's the only conference in America. I guess maybe the ACC is, is this way, too. But it's the only conference in America where you can definitively say, like, every program, basketball is their big sport. It's their headline sport. Because most of them, they don't, have, they don't play other sports. I mean, you got UConn in there, but, you know, really, just give a football UConn. What are you doing at this point? <laughs> Like it is a basketball conference, and and they everything else is secondary. So yeah, you've got fan bases that care about basketball way more than than a, than a lot of maybe better teams in in more historic, more more money laden program uh, conferences. It's just fun to follow when that's the case. But that was interesting last night. Um, Ed Cooley telling people I'm rich as a mother bleeper. Also, the video on your Twitter, a couple above that. Also, what was that? hilarious. The kid in the crowd while Louisville shooting the free throw. Oh, doing the uh, <laughs> yeah. fellatio motions. <laughs> Classic Syracuse. His I love, his buddy to his right just loses it. <laughs> yeah, I was I was amazed by how little reaction he got, honestly. <laughs> and then he just he went for it. Uh, college basketball last night was relatively uneventful. Auburn blew out Alabama, yeah. which was the big game of the night. Um, I thought they would, would win. I didn't think it would be that dominant. Uh, you were right about Providence holding serve at home against Creighton. Hey, Thought Creighton would go in there and win. They did not get it done. Devin Carter, maybe the Big East player of the year, and I'm really, really impressed with how well they've played since uh, since Bryce Hopkins went down. I thought that was going to tank them. Who else? I nailed the other game, too. Who was the other Michigan one? beat Wisconsin. Yeah. 72-68. Said they'd cover. Um, I bet the cover. The other big bet that I made last night, unfortunately, was I thought Missouri would cover against AM. and I'm not sure why I'm betting on an 0-9 SEC team to do anything. but I was going to ask you how the uh, Big X big bets went last night, but we didn't give any out. No, I did bet the, the – I should have bet Auburn to cover against Alabama because that was the big one that I gave out. I was like, I think Auburn's going to cover six and a half or whatever. I didn't bet it. I put it in a parlay, which didn't hit. Like, it was one of those – I was like, I was just getting screwed around. Put like 10-team parlay, bet like five bucks, see if this hits. Uh, did not. Went down pretty quickly. But I bet on Missouri to cover. They did not. I bet on Michigan to cover. They did. So I think I came out slightly behind last night. Got to take the underdogs tonight, I'm telling you. Take Utah with the points, UAB with the points. Call it a day. UAB's playing pretty well right mm-hmm. now. I'll say that. They, they, they've kind of hit their stride a little bit in recent weeks. And FAU is they've, – they've played down to their level of competition pretty much throughout the season in the American. That'll be a fun game to watch. No Jelly Walker, but, but UAB's still a fun team. Jelly uh, Walker? Jelly Walker was their best player the last couple of years. That's an incredible name. Yeah, he's a, he was a beast. He Not, was, I wasn't familiar with Jelly. You, gotta, you should know Jelly. He's gone now. Any relation to Jelly Roll? No. 
I keep seeing Jelly Roll pop up. I had no idea who he was until like two months ago. He is. And now he's everywhere. He is blowing up. He's what, country music singer? Is that right? Yeah, I guess he's country. I don't really consider him country. He's a rapper and singer. He, he kind of got on the scene because he just started writing songs about like how, I don't know, how he wants to be better moving forward with the life decisions. That's probably not the right word, right words to use, but basically he's made a lot of mistakes in his life and now he's trying to correct him through song, I guess. What a novel concept for art. <laughs> I've made mistakes in my life and I want to be better. No one's ever done that before. <laughs> Props to Jelly Roll for But being I think the first. it's I think it's how he looks and he classifies himself as country or he gets labeled as country. I think and I that's, did- his looks just do not correspond with that at all yeah see i i know I, I honestly the first time that i saw him was like matt jones on twitter had a picture he's like he's like me and jelly roll he's the nicest guy alive and i'm like who the hell is jelly roll and it, i was like i was like i feel like matt is less in tune with with young pop culture than i am and the fact that matt knows who this guy is and i don't it's i, I feel kind of bad about this so yeah that, that, that was and then i feel like i saw him after that like 17 times that week just popping up everywhere i'm like who the hell is jelly roll wonder what his real name is it's J- jelly roll Jason Bradley DeFord. No, that's Jelly Roll. Jelly Roll's way better. Jelly Roll. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We'll take some more texts here. we got 15 minutes left in the hour number two. Texter says, general sloppiness. <laughs> that was last night. Very sloppy. Texter that I always wanted to, uh, KP to succeed, but is this improvement that he's doing, maybe Kenny and the staff are getting their act together, or maybe these are just freshmen that are starting to figure out how to play with each other on offense. Could be. I mean, things have – I don't think it's just as simple as guys who are young players. I mean, we're playing a lot of freshmen and sophomores. I get it. Are just now having that click moment. Something has to have changed behind the scenes, and I, and I don't know what that is. I don't know if it was a, a change in offensive philosophy, if it was you know, Kenny Payne leaning on an assistant more, or if it is just Kenny Payne has been preaching the same things over and over and over, and all of a sudden they just started working. But, like, we – the lack of, at least on offense, because defensively nothing's gotten better, but offensively, the lack of hesitation, it seems like guys know exactly where they're supposed to be. We do a great thing where when we get an offensive rebound after a missed shot, the guy who took the missed shot automatically cuts hard to the basket, and we've scored a number of times or drawn a, a, a foul on a number of times just like that, and that's a it's, it's a great move. Like that's, It's a fantastic adjustment middle of the year, especially for a team that's been really good on the offensive glass. I think Sky Clark did it really well last night. And you can tell it's something that we've practiced because the second that Huntley Hatfield or whoever comes down with the offensive rebound and he realizes he doesn't have an immediate putback opportunity, he's looking for the cutter who's coming from, you know, he's he's not blocked out because he took the three. So we've made adjustments as the season's gone on that have made the team better, but we're still sitting here talking about a seven-win basketball team in the heart of February. So... It all matters. It all has to count. Texter says, Paul was questioning the 33 transition fast break points on the radio. He said he, he thought that seemed high. What qualifies as a transition basket is how many guys are in the front court. So many seconds on the shot clock. I don't know exactly how these like uh, hoop metrics and, and the, the stat cast and, and, and all these, they qualify this. I know Rick Pitino back in the day used to just um, not really rely on the numbers that he got from these I mean, some of these software programs that coaches use they the subscriptions are like a hundred thousand dollars like it's insane and i know a lot of times i would talk to people that that rick would would work with and they would say 
you know, we gave him the numbers, we charted, they, they charted for us, and they said, you know, we were this uh, of this on contested shots inside of 10 feet, and Patino would be like, no, that's crap. Like, that's just, it's just not true. So I don't know how reliable all that stuff is, but that was the number that came out with 33 fast break points, uh, which is insanely high. But it also goes, it also tracks with what we've seen from this team all season long. All Every number that's out there says Louisville's one of the worst transition defenses all, in all of college basketball. And so the fact that they gave up 33 last night to a Syracuse team that was looking to get out and run, not overly shocking, I don't think. Texas, the irrational fan in me is pissed that we lost. The irrational fan in me is also thankful that Kenny Payne didn't get his second road win in two years and possibly better his chance of getting a third year. I don't think it's a minority opinion. I mean, look, there are people who I, I know are diehard fans, who I know have been killed by the way that we've played, by the way that this program has fallen off, who are taking that approach, who are like, I I can't root for this team because I don't think it's in the best interest of the program. And while I don't share their their sentiment, not, I can't judge them. Everyone is doing, I think, there, maybe there's rare exceptions on both sides, but I think for the most part, everybody is is fanning and doing what they think is in the best interest of the program big picture wise. They're doing whatever they think is going to get us back the quickest. Or they're rooting for whatever's going to get us back the quickest. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't know what's best. If I did, it'd be a lot easier to do the show. Texas Truly Donovan's tweet, who do you think uh, the Big East and the Big 12 coaches that he mentioned are? Tang seems too obvious for Big 12. Is TJ the way? Is Scott looking for greener pastures? And is Hurley wanting to win championships somewhere else? I don't think Danny Hurley's the Big East coach being mentioned, although I would love it if he was. What if it was Rick Pitino? Mm. He wants to come back. I do think TJ is the Big 12 one, though. Um, Telling you, he's on the move. I'm trying to think of who else it could be. Porter Moser would also kind of be that, you know, Trilly's tweet is implying that it's somebody who's not been talked about a lot who would you know, kind of start the coaching carousel because it would be such a wild thing. Um, Osselberger would check that box. Porter Moser would check that box. I mean, Jerome Tang technically would, would still kind of check that box, even though he's been discussed ad nauseum. But I like to think that it's like the most shocking person possible. So, Kelvin Sampson. Bill Self. <laughs> just, just, yeah, Bill, Bill Self's ready for a new challenge. He's won too much at Kansas. Let's get him out of there. Jamie Dixon. He's, I mean, Bill Self's getting old. Fog Allen probably a little too loud for him, you know? Yeah, he's, he's, he's ready for something different. Wes Miller, Cincinnati, going to jump ship after two years. I don't know who the answer is, but if I had to guess, I'd say he's talking about Tang and he's talking about Sean Miller in the Big East. But Sean Miller's also not having a good enough year to, to really no. jump ship. I mean, the only other people that I could think of, because... I mean, Shaheen Holloway's not leaving Seton Hall after one year, I don't think. Shaka, I, I guess. But like every team that's really good in the Big East has a coach that feels like they're not going to balance it. Like McDermott's been at Creighton for a billion years. He's not leaving anytime soon. Hurley, I don't think, is leaving UConn. Holloway, I don't think, is leaving Seton Hall. Shaka would be shocking. Shaka would be, I mean, that would kind of fit the bill of what he's talking about here as, as far as like a surprise move who would really get the carousel spinning. Big domino effect. Marquette is a good job. They would have to go out there and get somebody who they thought was pretty good. But everybody else, like, you know, no one's hiring Kyle Neptune from, from Villanova right now. Um, 
don't think anyone's hiring Kim English from Providence right now, even though he's doing a, a good, really, really good job. Um, like, it kind of feels like it has to be either Shocker or Sean Miller. I don't think, I mean, Thad Mata's not going to leave Butler, I don't think. And if he did, who cares? I love Thad, but he's, he's up there in age. Texas, here's my issue. I completely acknowledge that something has clicked for this team and they have improved immensely, but even with that improvement and click, this team is 2-8 and eight over the last 10 games. That falls on coaching. What are your thoughts? I agree. I mean, that, that's the thing is we keep talking about the the team getting so much better after the, the holiday and after the vote of confidence from Josh Hurd with Kenny Payne. They've still won two games. I mean, aesthetic, aesthetically, it's been better. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, you, and the texture said that. He said, I, I, I acknowledge that somebody's clicked for the team and they've improved a ton. They're still 2-8 and eight in those 10 games since then. Yeah. I mean, and and look, we're not talking about the like 2006 Big East or the 2009 Big East, which was getting three number one seeds and 12 teams into the NCAA tournament and all this stuff. Like This is an ACC that's as down as it's ever been. We're losing. If you look at the games that we've played since losing to Kentucky, you know, we've we lost to Pitt by 13, not a tournament team. Lost to NC State by six, probably not a tournament team. Wake Forest beat us by 25, maybe a tournament team. And then Syracuse beat us last night. They're not an NCAA tournament team. Duke and Carolina are the only teams we've beaten that I think right now you look at as locks for the NCAA tournament. Virginia's getting there. Clemson's getting there. But everybody else, it's like, you know, they're just whatever teams that in a normal year we would be horrified if we were losing to them. And this year we're like, yeah, you know, Wake hit 28 threes. It's going to happen. That's what we do. I think we can... If we feast on the bottom half of the conference in these last eight games and, and go like six and two or something like that, I think we can flip the narrative a little bit and then it becomes more of an awkward discussion. But at the end of the day, it's a win loss business. We've won six games, we've lost sixteen. We're two and ten in the ACC. We're what four and twenty nine in the ACC since Kenny Payne took over. Those numbers are they don't speak quietly. They're very hard to overcome. Texas says, since when do refs apply? Do refs get to decide when they want to apply rules and when they don't? They don't get to decide what's fair and what's not, especially when you have clear evidence with replay review. Those refs shouldn't be allowed to officiate another basketball game in their lives. Well, they're going to. I mean, <laughs> TV Teddy's going to keep popping up pretty much every night. I do think that's what happened, though. I think that they saw the replay. They saw that they made the wrong call, but that if they hadn't, blown the whistle, Syracuse was going to score, and they were like, eh, easiest thing to do is to keep it. Again, it's not fair. Like That's not the way the rules work. But Kenny Payne, the only thing he said after the game was that Teddy Valentine came over to him and said it was clearly no question about it, a goaltend. I have no idea how you could stare at that replay and come to that conclusion. I mean, even if you said, I think it may have been a goaltend, there's nothing about that replay that says it's clear unless you look at it and say it's it's clearly not a goaltend, which I think it, it, it was it was clearly not a goaltend. So like, by the letter of the law, it's a block. We only saw the one angle. Apparently, the referees had other angles, but even still, with other angles, I don't know how. Well, you we could... saw mo- multiple angles. Oh, did they show? Multiple? They showed the behind. They showed the the traditional angle from the actual. They showed the 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 angle from the camera above the backboard. Yeah, I don't know how you can rule that that's not a goaltend. Every single one that we saw. Show that it was clearly a block. Or it is a goaltend. Yeah, it, it it just it's again it, it's a it would have screwed Syracuse, but by the book, if you're following the rule book, it's their fault for blowing the whistle and calling a, a goaltend that didn't actually happen. Conspiracy theorist here. Maybe maybe the ACC called Old Teddy and was like, "Hey, 
here's what you need to do. Well, that wouldn't be shocking. Syracuse has a better chance to get to the tournament. Louisville has no shot. We do have a history of Charlotte calling and overturn replay reviews when Louisville's involved. They do get involved. Texas, hey, lighten up, Mike. The plan is year one with a star, with an asterisk. KP works on the offense. Year two will work on the defense. Maybe we go hire a defensive coordinator. College basketball teams are hiring offensive coordinators. Let's bring in a defensive coordinator. I saw the Steelers today. They hired a passing coordinator, a sub-coordinator, if you will. Uh, that's been a thing for a while. Has it? Yeah, you have passing game coordinator. Usually they also coach, coach the quarterbacks. I, I think Brian Brom actually is like the offensive coordinator and the passing game coordinator is, hmm. is what they refer to him as. But, yeah, I mean, I've been saying this for a long time. I'm surprised that people don't have assistant coaches whose sole job is, like, clock management because so many of these coaches are you, – you spend so much time on all this little – these minute details, and then you just F up the most obvious thing of all time with just horrible end of first half and end of game management with the clock. Hire somebody whose only job is to just, like, be an expert on clock management. Come on. Texas, everyone talks about Louisville basketball hurting downtown businesses, but this morning I stumbled upon something more troubling. Estimated population for Louisville by year 2022, 624K. 2023, 621K. 2024, 617K. People are too sad to have sex. Kenny Payne is single-handedly declining the population in the city. <laughs> uh, I mean, Scoots has said, if, if the... If the Louisville life was more vibrant right now because the basketball team was thriving, he'd be probably married with kids. Yeah, I can confirm. We'd probably have two or three more already. Be going out to the bars. Yeah, be a good time. Yeah, I mean, we had John right uh, October of 2021 thinking that like we'd have a few more, and the basketball since then has just been nothing but sad. Poor John Rutherford has experienced no good basketball. He was here right in time for the the start of the last Chris Mack season, which was a debacle. But daggone it, he's seen a Lions playoff win. Two. Two playoffs. Two. Wins, yeah. And the Reds be kind of fun. He's enjoyed himself, but <laughs> not with men's basketball. Texas, I hope that every country musician lives forever so I don't have to hear this yokel pablum more than once a week. <laughs> It'll never happen again because nobody is impactful to me as Toby was. You're a Toby guy. Toby guy. Through and through. First concert. Texas says, please, no more singing. Oh, yeah. that's going to bring back our conversation from yesterday. I'm a child. Tell me what not to do. I'm going to do it more. I mean, I, you can tell me to do it. You can tell me not to. I'm going to sing regardless. <laughs> I'm a singer. I'm going to sing. Texas says, doing the Big East today. Oh, this is the guy who does the over-under. We don't, we don't have time to get to this before the end. We'll, we'll get back to this in, in at the third hour, I promise. Texas says, I'll give KP his props. The team hasn't quit. He should get credit for that. I agree. You can't just say everything sucks, everything's bad, uh, because the record's terrible. Yeah, ultimately, that's the determining factor in where I stand, but you have to to give credit where credit's due. The offense has gotten better. Some players are playing much, much better than they were, and nobody's quit. You could They could have easily quit when the calendar flipped to 2024. It would not have shocked anybody to see this team just go through the motions and be just as bad as they were in conference play a year ago, uh, and that, that hasn't happened. They're not winning at nearly high enough level for anybody to be happy, but they are still out there competing. Everybody seems to care. Um, you know, there's no like laughing on the bench when we're losing games uh, late. Like everybody seems to be into it. Which, again, if, if this were year one, I think you could build on this. Nobody would be thrilled, but we would be more understanding. You would say, well, he's 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 putting together the culture. They're playing hard. They're showing improvement. We could be a good team next year. I've still got some 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 pretty major concerns, but there's something here. But for this to be the case at the end of year two, it's just simply not good enough. 
Let's take a break. The 5 o'clock hour is coming up next. Got a couple other quick stories to hit on. We'll get you ready for Louisville-Notre Dame tonight on the women's side and take more of your texts at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Team's next here on the Big X. And we'll raise up our glasses against evil forces saying, Whiskey for my man, beer for my horses. Whiskey for my man, beer for my horses. We talk about your work, how your boss is a jerk. We talk about your church and your head when it hurts. We talk about the troubles you've been having with your brother, about your daddy and your mother and your crazy ex-lover. We talk about your friends and the places that you've been. We talk about your skin and the dimples on your chin, the polish on your toes. I always felt like this was such a like God knows a hard left turn from Toby Keith. <laughs> you know, like th- this sounds like it should have been sung by a 16-year-old girl, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I could see that. Like his whole like, it's very much like a bare naked ladies pop, like where he's like going so fast at the beginning. I want, like, I can see like you know, JoJo from back in the day in like 2006 singing the song. But occasionally, I want to talk about me. Like it just—it was—it was such a weird song. And great I'll, song. I mean, I mean, you're using great liberally. No, it's great. It's okay. Uh, what's great is spending the five o'clock hour here with all of you on 1450 and 961 The Big X. It is the Mike Rutherford Show. Hopefully, you're on your way home from work. One day left until the weekend. Woo-hoo. The weather's nice out there. I mean, I do real. I, I kind of forget how much of a difference it makes. Just when we leave here at six o'clock or six o five or whenever. Those two and a half, three months when it's pitch black and you walk outside, it's yeah. just depressing as hell. The sun was still up when we left yesterday. That's what I'm saying. Like the sun's now, it's setting it after great. six. It feels good. Like I, like I get home and it's still at least somewhat light outside. Like I forgot. Like the last couple of days, I've I've gotten home before John got sick yesterday. I, I've been getting home. Like my wife and the kids have been outside playing a little bit in the backyard. Like I'm excited. Get too excited for spring and like I, I kind of oh, yeah. forget how life is when. I leave the radio show. It's still very sunny. We go outside. The kids are playing. We take like a family walk around. We go to a playground or something like that. It just makes the nights a lot easier than get home. Everyone's just locked in because it's 12 degrees and, and pitch black outside. And, you know, kids are screaming. They don't want to take baths. They don't want to get ready for nighttime. They don't want to eat dinner. It's just it, it, it's more of a struggle than it is when it gets light. out. And plus, you just feel happier when you, oh, you leave yeah. work and it's sunny outside. For sure. Um, leaving and, and not knowing if it's like 6.30 or like 10.30 for those two months. Just, it sucks. Uh, tonight, actually in just about less than an hour, we got Louisville women's basketball going down. The Cards, big-time game at the KFC Yum Center. 6 o'clock tip-off against Notre Dame. If you can't make it out to the Yum Center, you can watch it. It's on the big network tonight. ESPN has the coverage of Louisville-Notre Dame. If you can't uh, watch it on TV, you can listen to it on our sister station, 970 WGTK with Nick Curran. And Courtney Walton on the call. Notre Dame number 12 in the AP poll. Louisville number 15 in the AP poll. The Cards do own a game on the Fighting Irish in the conference standings. Louisville 19-4 and overall, 8-2 and in the ACC. Notre Dame 17-4 and overall and 7-3 and in the ACC. Uh, this is the most critical stretch of the season for the women's basketball program. There's no question about it. They played tough against NC State earlier this week but didn't get the job done. This one feels like more of a necessary victory. For them, you're at home. You're playing a team that's uh, kind of ranked in the same general area. You have a better record than them. You would love to hold serve here and, and strengthen your NCAA tournament seed, and also strengthen your chance of winning at least a share of the conference regular season title. Louisville and Notre Dame have not played since last year in the conference tournament semifinals. 
when Notre Dame was the one seed, Louisville was the four seed, and the Cardinals rolled to a 64-38 to victory to cement their place in the conference championship game. They would eventually lose to Virginia Tech, but hopefully we can uh, have a similar effort tonight. 32nd all-time meeting between the two schools. Louisville trails the all-time series 13-18. to They are 5-6 and six against Notre Dame in games played at the Yum Center, but have won four of their last five at home. So let's keep it rolling tonight. We've also got, I mean, this is the fun time of the year where you've got winter sports heading towards their finish, and then you've got spring sports just getting started. Uh, we're going to have, coming up tomorrow, softball kicking off their season. The, the, the Cards will take on LIU in the FGCU kickoff classic down there in so Florida. Early. I know. They'll play Georgetown in the kickoff classic uh, coming up uh, at 2.30, the second of their doubleheader. Softball gets it going. Men's tennis is rolling. Women's tennis is going. And then baseball gets it going, I think, next weekend. Well, speaking of baseball getting it going next weekend, we're going to have tomorrow on the show, Scootsy will be off. Yep. Thanks to you. Thank uh, God. Yeah, th- thankfully for you. We'll have Matt McGavick back in studio from Louisville Report. He's actually going with the baseball team down there to their their, their season opening weekend in Tampa Well, well where they will play the Bulls and UConn and somebody else. I can't remember who it is. But um, he'll have some live reports down there, which will be great to read on his website and follow along on Twitter. So we'll talk a little bit more baseball tomorrow with Matt, who's always fun to have in studio for the show. But we've been spending most of our day today talking about the Louisville men's basketball program. The direction they're going, the loss to Syracuse last night, the gut punch, the heartbreaking loss, or was it, depending on your viewpoint, last night, 94-92 at the hands of the Orange inside the Carrier Dome. Uh, it did. I, I saw Syracuse fans. It's always interesting to see. You know, Our emotions are so all over the place right now with this team because of the questions about Kenny Payne's job status and what's best for the program moving forward. But Syracuse fans are also like kind of pissed off. Like they get, they get it. It's a first year head coach. They weren't expecting to be that good this year. But they're sitting here in in early February, going into mid February, realizing that they're probably not going to go to the NCAA tournament. And like they're watching last night's game against us, and you know, they're all kind of making the jokes about, yeah, it's a close Louisville Syracuse game, but it feels like a reboot with just not enough on the line, not enough money put into it, and all this stuff. And you know, th- th- their reaction to the game last night was kind of like, eh, you know. Glad they won, but like this changes nothing. It would have just, it, it would have been the literal end of the season for them if they'd taken the quad four loss to Louisville on their home floor. Now they at least have sort of an outside hope that they could get red hot in this last month of the season and maybe make an outside run at the NCAA tournament. But it was just, you know, I, I kind of felt like we were more into it than they were last night, which is, which is a very odd thing to say given how checked out so much of the fan base has been. But, uh, Louisville does fall short despite some really, really impressive individual efforts last night. Scott Clark scoring 23 points. Uh, Tyler Johnson came back down to earth a little bit, made some some of the freshman mistakes that you have to to live with when you're playing Tyler, but he also did some really good things while he was out there. Brent Huntley-Hatfield and uh, Trey White both had double-doubles. Trey White is the guy that and we talked about his his sort of lack of effort against Florida State. Not, not lack of effort, but lack of production only scoring, or not scoring at all, only taking two shots, and just being sort of a, just kind of a ghost out there, not really making an impact on the game. He was terrific last night. I mean, he was one of the biggest reasons why Louisville started the second half, second half off so hot. 17 points overall, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, did have 3 turnovers, but blocked a shot, was really active around the rim. This was kind of the role that I expected to see Trey White play from day one this season. I don't know if it's just the staff figuring out where he fits best, but he seemed like a kind of a, 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 a 
square peg in a round hole this season on this team. Just system doesn't fit him. Clearly has some good tools. Worked well on a good USC team last year. And now it kind of seems like they've both he and the staff are hitting their stride together and they're figuring out how he, he, he how to best utilize him. And he's taking advantage. Huntley Hatfield also had 19 points and 13 rebounds. He was tremendous once again. Knocked down three threes last night. Three of four from three. BHH did? Yeah, only nice. had three threes the entire season coming into the game. Knocked down three or four. And every time he took them, he was like, no hesitation. I've kind of been surprised that he hasn't taken more of these the, th- the threes when opposing teams leave him wide open. But last night, he was ready for it. And he played. Did he shoot him at all last season? Yeah, probably too much last year. <laughs> but he, I mean, he's a capable outside shooter when, they think he, when he's in rhythm. And it's catch and shoot, and I'm not thinking about it too much. Like he needs space to get that shot off. It's not. It's never going to be your first option, but he can knock it down. And he showed it last night, and uh, he was great. But defensively, again, Louisville just not there. Chris Bell knocks down eight of ten threes, scores a career high thirty points. Judah Mintz was really good as well. Uh, he had twenty one. Th- like their big three lit us up, and this has been a consistent thing with Kenny Payne's teams over the last couple of years. We never make somebody else beat beat us besides their best players like best players always do what they do effectively against us because we don't take away like we don't game plan it seems like like we don't look at what somebody does really well and say we're going to take that away we're going to make you beat us doing something differently if you do something really well we're going to let you do it against us and and that's been a pretty ever-present theme really dating back to the Mike McGee's Chris Mack season uh two years ago the, the last three years we just have consistently done that and we did it again last night their three leading scores were their, th- their three leading scores against us. We let them do what they wanted to do. Mint scoring mostly inside the paint. Uh, Bell scoring mostly outside the paint. And let them get out and transition a ton. 33 transition points, 33 free throw attempts, uh, 22 conversions. It, it was just a, it was a, I would say it's a piss poor defensive effort, but the numbers say it was pretty much an average defensive effort based on who we are, which is a terrible defensive team. Still hurt for me. Uh, I know it didn't hurt for a lot of you. You guys have made your thoughts known on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450, where we will go now and hear more reactions. If you want to talk about something else also, we're, we're open to whatever discussion you have right now. We'll get into more Super Bowl stuff tomorrow, because as much as I'm sure people want to hear a breakdown X's and O's preview of Louisville versus Georgia Tech, probably a little bit of interest in the Super Bowl as well. Are you getting excited for the Super Bowl suits at all? Like the, the closer it gets, the more I'm just like, eh. I mean, yeah, not not really. No, I'll watch it. I'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's our last taste of football for a solid what, like seven months. So I'll enjoy it. I'll watch it. I'll follow the storylines. I'll, I'll get into the game, watch the commercials, watch Usher, all that stuff. But I'm just not not overly enthusiastic. I'm still licking my wounds. Should be the lines. Still hurts. Texture says. It's not rooting against U of L when we say we don't want Louisville to win. It's rooting against Kenny Payne. True, he's off. It, but here's the thing: when you say like, if you're rooting against the team, you're rooting against everybody. It may be because of Kenny Payne, but it still forces you to actually root against the players. And again, I'm not judging it. It's like the 17th time I've said that today. I'm not judging it at all, but. It's like booing the home team, which has happened this year, in, in the middle of a game, not when they announce Kenny Payne's name during the starting lineups. If you boo in the middle of the game, you may say, like, we're booing Kenny Payne. The players out there, like it's you're booing everybody. They feel like they're 
you're, you're they're being booed as well. Yeah. Texture says there's a difference between not being upset about a loss and rooting against your own team. I wanted us to win, but I wasn't upset when we lost. We've done it 80% of the time for the last two years, and now I'm numb to it. I totally agree with that. I mean, yeah, you can you not, I mean, what do they say? The, uh, the opposite of love's not hate. The opposite of love's indifference. When apathy starts to set in, it's worse than when anger starts to set in. And I think you've got a lot of people out there who are who are apathetic. I mean, a lot of people responded to that poll question where I said, are, are you upset that Louisville lost tonight? And they were like, my answer is not yes or no. It's just I, I didn't care. Or some of them were like, I didn't know we played. Like that's when it gets that's when you know that you're screwed or or that you're in somewhere beyond the danger zone. Texas says, How bad is Notre Dame's defense? I assume we should beat them easily. I'm assuming that's a men's basketball reference. Um I mean, we're not gonna beat anybody there's, easily. There's no way that's a men's basketball reference just because of what you just said. Well, but it was this was Texas was like at three, whatever. Three forty eight. Because the women's team. I don't know how anybody can see beating anybody easily at this point. I don't either, but I also can't see how you could say we should beat the Notre Dame women easily when they're ranked ahead of us. And it's, you know. But maybe it is. I don't know. The if you're talking about the men, their offense is what kills them. Like their their defense is okay. Their offense is terrible. They can't score. So I think we should win that game. Circle that one. I think we I think we can score on just about anybody right now at a high enough rate to win. The issue is we just leave dudes wide open. And against Notre Dame, it might not matter because I think you could leave them all alone in a gym and you come back the next morning and they'd have like 16 points. They're just not, they, they don't score. They're not very good. Texture says if we win four more games, isn't it, isn't it 11 wins? Yeah. That's math. I think you said 13. Well, I said I, was, I thought we were going to win six more games. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, God. I No, it's me who's bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> so if we go four and four in the last eight, yeah, that would make, but no, I think I said it. I was right about the ACC because we would be six and fourteen, but we would be eleven and twenty. I was looking at the projected Ken Palm record that screwed me up. No excuse, bad at math. But yeah, if if we go four and four, that was my prediction for the last eight games. I think we're gonna win four more. That would give us an eleven and twenty record and a six and fourteen mark in the ACC. It's not good enough. It's just not good enough. It, it's not. I don't care that they won, what? They, they would have won five games in the last month of the season, basically. Month plus six days. It's just not good enough, man. Like it, it, It's not. Texas, why can't Josh Hurd leak to the media that he's already deciding to move on? Because, my God, this is torture. Yeah, I mean, that's the same question I asked you probably two weeks ago. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't think that he knows he that that he is. I, I don't know. I I, I don't. Like, I've, again, I've got no direct line to Josh. I don't know what he's thinking right now. I don't know if he's 100 percent convinced that, that you know we're going to leave. I don't know if he's genuinely torn. That he's like, hey, you know, I've, I've got to give him a chance. If they win six of these last eight games, and the players are demanding more Kenny Payne, and we feel like we can be NCAA tournament good next year, I'm going to give him that third year. I've got no clue. But he's definitely not leaking anything to anybody. He, he's not. I mean, I can tell you firsthand, he's not going in secret and being like, hey, let let these people know. You can't say anything, but he's going to be gone. No reason to freak out. Stop dragging my name through the mud. He's going to be gone, guys. Just calm down. There's none of that. Texture says, I recommend Chili Scoots. 
It can double as a place to pick up chicks, too. Mm, I haven't no. been to a Chili's in a while, but Chili's was, was great back in the day. Not going to be trying to pick up chicks at Chili's. Why not? You ever been to an airport, Chili's? Mm. That's living. <laughs> you can't beat... If you're at an airport, you can't beat the Chili's. You can't. What else is good at airport? Kind of a hot take. Nah, I think that's... I think that's I think Air- I've got some support there. Airport food doesn't really matter to me as long as they've got a bar. Pop belly at airports is good. I like pop belly. I feel like every time I get it, people talk about how great airport beers are. I feel like every time I get an airport beer, it's just it's very lukewarm. I feel <laughs> like I never get an ice cold airport beer. Sounds like you got some bad luck. I think so. I think so. The last time I, I remember, we, we were, when I was going to New Orleans for the Final Four in 2012. This was again back when I was young and semi hip, but not really. We were drinking. We, we we had a beer at like nine in the morning before our flight. I'm like, why not? And our bartender was like Vic Anderson's dad, the Senex and Louisville running back. I'm like, this is a great sign. We're, we're gonna beat Kentucky. This is gonna happen. It's gonna it's, it's all going down. And he's kind of. They started like talking crap about Trinity to me and Danny. And I was like, okay, well, tone it down a little bit. It's okay. Texas says North Carolina sucks. The ACC sucks. How hard is it getting the bigger championships in DC, Philly, New York, etc.? Let's go back to the Big East. I'd love to go back to the Big East. <laughs> Take me back. Take me over to the Big 12. I'm done with the ACC. I thought I was going to like it way more. They're just not nice. They're just not fun. There's nothing fun here. We, we pledged the wrong frat. Scoots, did you pledge a frat, by the way? Heck no. I was going to say, I feel like we're, we're in the same boat. Heck no. That was never, never on my radar at all. I did feel bad because on the show last week, I was talking about how Patrick was pledging pikes at WKU, and I was like, it was like when I was at Dayton and stuff, like they had a reputation for being like the guys who were always fighting every weekend. I was like, is that true, Trey? And Trey's like, I actually am already a Pike. So he's like, but yeah, it's pretty much true. That's like, okay. Not much has changed. Texas, the North Carolina schools always have home field advantage for the championships and everybody else has to travel. Yeah. Texas, there was a great response to, on Twitter to the ACC champions location announcement. Person just said, going to be awkward when UNC isn't in the ACC. Also, Scoot shockingly has a bad take on this. Yes, we know North Carolina is generally the geographical center, but for 40 out of 40 to be there, ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not even arguing that like a majority of championships shouldn't be in North Carolina. Just a little bit of diversity. Spread it out a little bit. You don't get every game, every championship. It seems ridiculous. All 40. If I'd have said there were 40 championship announcements today, like the locations, I would have said I bet like 20, 22 maybe. Are going to be in North Carolina, and I'd be, you know, I'd be like, yeah, maybe it's a little much, but I'm okay with it. All 40 though is absurd. What are we doing? Texter says I'm attending my fourth and final Pac-12 tournament this year in Vegas. With the Pac-12 being gone after this year, let's bring the ACC tourney out west. Why not? Stanford's in the conference next year, so let's do it. And Cal, props to you though. Pac-12 tournament always seems fun. And there's like three other tournaments going on in Vegas at the same time, too. I think Mountain West plays there. Uh, WCC plays there the week before. Vegas is a great place to be for the uh, for, for conference tournaments and for Super Bowl weekend. Uh, speaking of, somebody brought up, uh, we were talking about the Sanex Trinity, Vic Anderson, his dad, and all that stuff. I, Ballard played Trinity last night in basketball, and they retired the number of Quentin Snyder, former UofL great, and Ballard's all-time leading scorer. I think he's also their all-time leader in assists and steals. Uh, four-year starter. A freshman. He was a kid that I heard about at a very young age playing for the, the Louisville Magic team with Ellis Miles. He and D'Angelo Russell were on those teams and committed to Louisville, I think, after his freshman year of high school. His dad, Scott's an awesome guy. Props to Quentin Snyder. Very, very good, uh, deserved 
recognition for him last night. I'm surprised it took this long, but props to him. And Ballard lost to Trinity. Have you heard the name Noah Washington yet? Noah Washington? Mm-hmm. I've not. Okay. Should I have? Probably not yet. He's an eighth grader over in Indiana. Um, he's he's gonna get the next all the buzz. Really? Yeah. But he rumor has it he will not be going to New Albany. Where's he gonna go? Somewhere on this side of the river. I am saying there's a lot of talk about him, and it's not surprised that it's uh, Indiana. Because I remember hearing about Romeo when he was like 13, mm-hmm. and just did not stop hearing about. Yeah, him. this kid's huge. He's he's an eighth grader. He's like six foot six. Just incredible. By all account, I haven't seen him with my own two eyes, but by all accounts, he's fantastic. He, he sold out a middle school game the other day because Nine, of him. 49 State scoots, just basketball. It's wild. I also, I mean, speaking of, of high school sports around here, it was brought to my attention. There was a, a story going around today about how Trinity, uh, you know, where I went and played baseball, they're now seeking to build a new $1 million baseball practice facility. And. Whoa practice facility well i'm happy for the you know we, we did a show from their their new stadium last year when they're getting ready to play st x and it, it was cool like you know some of my my old coaches are still on the staff there i saw a bunch of people and you know one of my old coaches his kid plays for the team now it's cool to see all of them but when i when i see that stadium and now when i'm hearing that they're getting a one million dollar potentially practice facility all i can think about is the fact that my freshman and junior year our outfield was on the football field, and they wouldn't take the goalpost down. <laughs> they were in play in left field and right field, and if a ball hit them, it was just it was in play. <laughs> and when we practiced, they wouldn't let us wear our spikes in the outfield because they was on the football field. The football field was natural grass at that point. So we had some good, my junior year, we we lost the state championship game, and we weren't allowed. We played on a field <laughs> that had the goalpost in the middle of the outfield. <laughs> So it's a little bit different now. It's hard for me not to be at least a little bit bitter. We didn't have like a hack shack. I think we used the wrestling room for our batting cage and just put a net up there. And then my, my senior year, they just opened a batting cage, which was basically in an old art closet. We didn't have like a locker room or anything. It was just it was a different time. Now they have million-dollar facilities. Kids these days, That's scoots. crazy. Kids these days. That's all I'm saying. They don't know how good they got it. Their TikTok and their <laughs> Twitch streams. Texas says Scoot's really helping out the conservative advertisers today with this playlist. That's right. <laughs> oh, Texas says uh, Ed Hightower. Not sure what that means. Indiana Larry, I think that was in reference to he's trying to answer the question of who the ref was who who tossed uh, Bobby Knight way through the chair. Which look we we looked it up. Not Ed Hightower. Some some people did care. Scoots might have to take the Indiana off his name. Just be Larry. Texas, can we talk about how bad Seth Greenberg was last night? We can. Um, I feel like Seth is getting progressively worse with every year. He's always been bad. I, I, I just I, I feel like every single year that he's doing this job, and they've they've prioritized him less. You see him on less of the the studio shows. He's doing not as big games as is clearly evidenced by him calling Louisville Syracuse last night. But he's I don't know if he's checked out or if he's just getting older or what what, but he's he was never great. But he's he's just downright bad. So was he on the call or in the studio? He was on the call last mm-hmm. night. And it was it was bad. Yeah. They they're, they're not using Seth as much as they used to. You know who the the one guy I can't stand? If I'm watch one more freaking Indiana game with Robbie Hummel as the color commentator, I'm going to lose my damn mind. 
Jeff Goodman loves him. Dude, Robbie Hummel hates Indiana, and it's very evident every single time he calls a game. Now, do you, do you think that's just you knowing that Hummel's a Purdue guy and having that already in the back of your mind? Do you think that if you didn't know it was Robbie Hummel and he was calling the game that you would get up that, as upset? Or do you, I, do you if, think it's, it's too obvious to miss? I, I just think it's too obvious to miss. He says some of the goofiest things during a game, like just clearly taking shots at Indiana any, t- any chance he can. I would be kind of upset if that was like, – even if I felt like he was trying to play it neutral – if you had like Anthony Davis calling a Louisville game, uh, especially like a Louisville Kentucky game, I'd be like, "Well, this no, this isn't fair." Well, I mean that that was the exact case when Indiana and Purdue played the first time. He was the color commentator for that game. Yeah, that would piss me. And off. it's like that should never happen. He should never be the commentator for Indiana Purdue because it was very obvious the entire game that he was leaning Purdue. I don't need Rex Chapman doing Louisville Kentucky right. games. Yeah, that would be obnoxious. But Seth Greenberg, I don't trust. A, I mean. He was a guy who wouldn't take Steph Curry as a walk-on. <laughs> Didn't think he was good enough to play at Virginia Tech when he couldn't get in the NCAA tournament. He did, however, I will always love Seth Greenberg because he get, he got us Montrez Harrell. Montrezl. Trez was signed to, to Virginia Tech. They fired Greenberg because he was so bad. That opened up Tre- Trez to, uh, to get out of his national letter of intent, and he came to Louisville, and bang, pretty good player here for three years. Dunked on everybody. So thank you, Seth Greenberg. But as an announcer, he's been increasingly bad in recent years. Let's take our last break. We'll take as many texts as we can in the final segment, and then we will get ready for the Thursday night ahead in the world of sports. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here with Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, on 1450 The Big Ed. Maybe I'll, I'll squeeze it in for you one time. Not today, but. Not sure what's wrong with you. <laughs> Not sure what's wrong with you. Uh, final segment here of the Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. 1450 won the Big X. The Thornton Sacks line number is 502-414-1450. you got about 20 minutes to have your thoughts heard if you want to have them heard here on this uh, Thursday radio show as we get ready for uh, Louisville-Notre Dame on the women's side. Tip-off at 6 o'clock coming up here on the uh, ESPN. If you want to listen to it on the radio, you can do so on 970 WGTK, our sister station. But we encourage you to make it out to the KFCM Center. It's going to be a fantastic night, and hopefully the Cards can have a nice bounce-back win after the disappointing loss at NC State on Monday. Scoots, uh, first of all, mm-hmm. we're not going to see you tomorrow. Matt McGavick of Louisville Report will be in here. Big weekend plans? Or are you just uh, catching up on sleep, hanging out with Gil, trying to right the ship there with your rocky romance? Yeah, no, I think I'm just going to relax, hopefully, hopefully kick this whatever I'm dealing with. Yeah. Get it out of here by 
Sunday, ideally, so I can just go crazy for the Super Bowl. What do you mean, go crazy? Just, like, watch it? Oh, I mean, drink. Like, if, if I'm feeling like this, I'm not going to drink very much for the Super Bowl. Whereas I'd like to tie one on on Sunday Okay. Night. All right. All right. Uh, what do you make of – have you seen the the Kirk Herbstreit story today? About Rayola? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominic Raiola, uh, or Dylan Raiola's dad, Dominic, was uh, was telling a story about how his son was considering a flip, and he received a phone call from Kirk Herbstreet that encouraged him to to spurn Kirby Smart in Georgia to go play for Matt Rule in Nebraska. Raiola says, when he saw the smoke about Dylan entering Nebraska, or entertaining Nebraska, he called me. He said, dude, is this true? He's got to do it. Uh, I mean, kind of unethical. Yeah, I just don't feel like it's his place to do that. I think that it's... Especially with his job. It's uh, pretty unethical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you, you can't... He holds a pretty high place in the hierarchy of, like, college football sure. folks. And for him to go out of his way to say, hey, I think one kid should go to this place over another, just seems like that's... Uh, it's it's not... Well, and not to mention that he calls games, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it just... It, that's he, like me calling, I mean, we just talked about Noah Washington in the last segment. That's like me calling his mom and saying, hey, you know what, ma'am? I, I saw Oldham County a couple times this year. They're really good. I think he should go there. Like, that's, what? And now there's also, you know, I guess there's another player who flipped from Georgia to USC that a lot of people are saying it sounds like Kirk Herbstreit was involved there. Um, mm. I, also, it just seems weird that he's targeting Georgia. Like, there should be no beef between, I mean, he went to Ohio State, his kid played at Clemson. I don't understand what the beef with Georgia is. Maybe but he doesn't like getting barked at all the time. I don't know. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's getting money from somebody. I don't know. But it, it all seems seems highly unethical and maybe worthy of some sort of intervention on ESPN's behalf because uh, probably should not be happening. Yeah, I agree. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Let's go back to the Thornton sex line. We'll get through as many of these can as we can, and then we'll uh, we'll hand out some big X big bets tonight. I've got two that I like tonight that I'm feeling good about. Little hint. Play the Red Foxes tonight. Oh, Texas, can we talk? Uh, Texas says, damn, you described my exact game in basketball. I don't even know what that was in reference to, but there you go. Texas, I don't give a bleep that we lost. We are ass on defense. I'm still numb. The UVA loss did me in. Which one? We've lost to him twice. <laughs> Both were pretty bad. I'm assuming the second one. Look, I and, and also, I can't control the political ads. I can't. I, I for the 18th straight day, I've got no control. Over. They they popped in, like, I guess last week, and they're they're kind of strange. It's I don't know where they came from. Strange is yes, that's the <laughs> I, I don't know why why they have to be on our station. I don't know why that's happening, but they paid us money. I guess. I guess you pay us money, we'll put it on. Apparently, <laughs> I mean, also like. Are you really advertising for Trump in Kentucky? I'm pretty sure he's got this one locked up. Yeah, pretty sure you, you, the the dollars need to be spread elsewhere. <laughs> Texas says, "Here's my fan girl dream: Kenny Payne finishes out the season. We win every single game right before the ACC tournament. He makes an announcement that because of his love for the University of Louisville, he's resigning as the head coach. Also, note to my hubby: I can't find my tire gauge. It might be a great Valentine's Day gift, or so I've heard. That's the it's the, the tire gauge couple." Guy gave his wife a tire gauge for Valentine's Day. If I had a quarter for every time I'd hear this story, I'd had two dollars. Uh, th- that's not my dream with Kenny Payne, but it would be fun to have a, a new coach for the postseason. I'm telling you right now, I'll, I'll say it up for the fifth day in a row. They're winning a game in the conference tournament. 
They're winning a game in the conference tournament. It's going to happen. Texas says, I think uh, th- that TJ's buyout makes him a less likely candidate. Didn't we discuss his buyout yesterday and it was pretty low? Um, Who was that? Or who was that? The 1.25? Or was that? That, that was Will Wade. Will Wade. That was his right. new extension. Yeah. Where they're like, don't come after him. We're paying him $700,000. And everyone's like, come on, man. Like, yeah, please. Um, his current buyout, we signed a new deal two years ago. His buyout at UNLV was nothing. His buyout now, I have no idea what it is, actually. <laughs> I know that Musselman's is, is what, uh, 10, I think? Sounds right. Cronin's 16. Beard. Musselman's less than Beard. Beard is, so, so Musselman's less than 10. I don't know what Osselberger's buyout is. We need like I need some sort of database. I need a sheet. Just keep track of all this. Texture says, any chance you can read my text after five so I can listen? Yes. Here, boom. Let's do it. You texted in. What a great first half for me in the over. I did not expect Sky Clark to lose us that game, but I feel like he did. He hit the three right after I typed this last night. <laughs> <laughs> says, you all also jinxed the Zan double miss free throw with the radio show today. Oh, God. Yeah, we, we did that with... Somebody else brought this up to me. We had the discussion yesterday about the... The, the the programs that will do the thing where it's like if you miss two free throws, all the fans get a chicken strip, right? Mm-hmm. And we were like, what if they chicken did a thing strip. where it was like if they miss two free, like we get a new head coach, people are like going nuts. And they did it. They have Chick Fil A at Syracuse, and they got it for Zan Payne missing two free throws last night. <laughs> That's perfect. Zan looked bad in those free throws too. Like they, they neither one looked like a Division One scholarship basketball. How much player. did he play? Not very much. Okay. He. I mean, he made a good play. It was a great pass by Huntley Hatfield to get the, the foul that got him that basket. He, he got on the floor for an offensive rebound as well, um, but he had played two minutes, missed two free throws. Not great. Texas says, bring Hodge to the um, to the Yum Lodge. There it is. That's the <laughs> that's the most catchy one so far. Is it? I think so. I think TJ is the way is more catchy than yeah. bring Hodge to the Yum Lodge. <laughs> yeah. Hodge to the Yum Lodge is more of a mouthful. But it's catchy. Am I falling for Ross Hodge right now? <laughs> Don't do it. The more people talk about him, the more I'm fe- I, I could be talking in the Ro- the Hodge Lodge. <laughs> Texture says, um, what did they sent in. Say, Texture is vouching for Danny Sprinkle from Utah State. He's not even on the list, bud. Not yet. We've talked about him, but he's not on the list. If you haven't been randomly drawn yet, you're not a real candidate. Texas, how did uh, EAC Fence get Mike Tyson to read their ad? <laughs> I don't even, I don't, I'm not familiar with the commercial. That's so me. I'm not familiar with the commercial. I've not have read that. I didn't read that. I haven't read the commercial. Oh, my gosh. That's so mean. Texas is a real co- – moving on. Texas is a real coaching staff, has this team fighting for on-the-bubble consideration. The talent is there minus the backcourt depth. I totally agree. I, I think – when you see when you see these guys do like some of the shots that Sky Clark made last night, the way that Tyler Johnson played against Florida State, the way Brandon Huntley Hatfield's played for the last couple of months, sometimes when you see the potential in Curtis Williams and Mike James, like it's fun. And then you also realize like there's no reason for this team to have seven wins this this late in the season. There's just none. There's way too much talent on this roster. And that's not even taking into account like the injuries and the defections and all this stuff. Even just with the guys that we have right now. There's no reason for this team not to at least be, at least like where Syracuse is, 
firmly on the outside of the NCAA tournament, but like you know, 500 in conference play, 15 and eight overall record. The the, the fact that that these same players that we watched last night lighting Syracuse up offensively lost to DePaul, who is probably going to wind up being viewed as the worst power conference team of all time, supplanting us from last year maybe, is just inexcusable. Texas guys, have you heard that it's time for an American revival? Sure is. It's presented by the Kentucky Women for Freedom. Are Kentucky women planning the next insurrection? And this ad is going to get talked about every single day. Texas says, I was talking to a guy at work. I asked who he wanted the coach to be next year, and he said Kenny Payne. Hopefully he didn't notice the shock on my face. That's the first time I've met someone who said that in person. It's a, I mean, it's a good question. Like, do you do you know? We we just like with elections. Like, do you actually know a Trump voter? Do you actually know a Biden voter? Um, do you know anybody in real life who is openly talking about how they want Kenny Payne to have a third year? I I really don't think I do. I mean, there are people that I know on the internet, obviously, but as far as like the people that I see on a daily basis and the people that I, I interact with who I consider like my closest friends, I don't think any of them are vouching for Kenny Payne to get a third year. I'd be kind of shocked too if I heard that. It'd be a weird look. Texture says, didn't Kamish Phillips say back in his alliance days that he didn't like gated subdivisions? Why did he just strengthen the NC1 today? It's a good text. I don't remember him saying that about gated subdivisions, but good text. I'll trust you there. Texture says the Bengals hired former Cards QB Justin Riscotti today as passing game coordinator. Boom. Done. Texture says the KP era took down two high rises so far. Year three will take out the Galt House, Towers, the Hyatt, and the Omni. <laughs> Downtown. Totally decrepit and, and empty because of Kenny Payne. Texture says, we used to climb through some sort of interior window or opening between the walls uh, up by the ceiling and would hit baseballs in the batting cage in the old art building at Trinity during art class. Well done for you. When I first started, like we, one of my best friend's dad was a football coach at Trinity. So we would, for like Little League, we would use the old wrestling room for like practice. We would get to go up there and hit, and it was so cool. But yeah, that was not the the type of it was not a million dollar facility like the one that they're apparently trying to to make happen. And I, and I did get a text from somebody who was like, "Yeah, but people are going to be hooting you up for money about this." I'm like, I, I don't know how much money you think I'm making. <laughs> I don't have disposable income to donate to like worthy causes, let alone for a indoor million dollar practice facility for Trinity Baseball. Texture says, "So in regards to the revival party, should I bring a casserole?" Yes, bring the casserole, please. Texture says. If the players are demanding more Kenny Payne, then I guess we have to get rid of the players also. I don't know how much of that is true. I mean, you've heard, you hear rumors about everything, but you've heard rumors that when there were there was all the talk and all the buzz about Kenny Payne being replaced by an interim, the players were like, we'll quit if this, uh, if this happens. I've got no idea if that's true. Players, at some point, I think some of them are directly tied to Kenny Payne. Like, Sky Clark came here because of Kenny Payne. Mike James and Kenny Payne have a very close relationship. But I think other guys, they're while they may like Kenny Payne and while they might prefer Kenny Payne to get a third year here, they're ultimately going to do what's best for them. And if they believe it's coming back to Louisville for a new head coach, then I think you can you can recruit those guys to stay. If you, I mean, whoever the new head coach is, if you can get Brandon Huntley-Hatfield and Tyler Johnson to stay here for another year, that's a huge 
good first first step. win yeah. for sure. Like I think you can build around those two guys moving forward. And if you get a couple of the other guys, I mean, Curtis Williams, I think is going to be a player. You can get him to stay. Awesome. If you could get Sky Clark to stay, I would keep Sky Clark. I'd keep Trey White. They're going to have to learn how to play defense, but that's on the head coach. Texas says Bill Walton calls UCLA games, and he's very unbiased. Almost sounds like he's never heard of UCLA. Where, where do he you probably st- doesn't remember UCLA. Uh, yeah. Where do you stand, Scoots, on the whole Bill Walton? Thing? I can't stand Bill Walton. You can't stand Bill Walton. I think I think if I like met up with him and had a drink with him, it'd be a good time. But I can't stand listening to his commentary. Well, it no. wouldn't be a drink with you two. I think. <laughs> <laughs> where I stand on Bill Walton is I love hearing him call games. I think I would hate it if I had to hear him call a U of L game because when you don't care, like when he's calling, you know, Washington versus Oregon. At eleven o'clock on a, a Wednesday night, yeah, the, the ridiculous, crazy references and him ripping on Dave Pash and, and all that stuff. Like, it's fun, but if I'm if I'm watching a Louisville game that I'm extremely invested in, I, I think it would kind of annoy me. I think it just drives me nuts because I put myself in the seat of Dave Pash doing a game with Bill Walton, <laughs> and I literally I couldn't do it. Dude does not stay on track. He talks about God knows what. Yeah, I I would lose my mind calling a game with him. It'd be, they also, I think they kind of play it up now. Like, there was a story written about it where they have this, like they, they, it's kind of a work where they're very different. Like I think Pash is like a super kind of conservative. He's a, he's a creationist, it, like, very conservative and, and Walton very clearly is not, but they play up the differences. Like, you know, he'll give him like Walton gifted him a copy of origin of species and stuff. And, and they'll kind of talk about things ahead of time and, uh, he'll, they'll be like, save it for the show, save it for the broadcast, and do all this stuff. So I, I think it's, you know, they're clearly a yin and a yang. But I think that the Pash being annoyed by Walton is like 75% fake at this point. But it's still entertaining. I still enjoy listening to it. Texter says, don't forget my question. Oh, you, oh, the, the, the conference thing. Thank you for reminding us. So the, the, the guy who's sending in the conference over under for coaching defections he says, we're doing the Big East today. This one's kind of hard because besides DePaul, I'm not sure anyone else will get fired. I think the only movement would come from someone else leaving. Let's just do over under one and a half, and I'm taking the under. Scoots, if you aren't in tomorrow, I'll wait until Monday to do the next conference. So you have to wait for Monday for Scoots. One and a half, over under, Big East coaches who are gone after this year. I don't. We don't even need to talk through this one, right? Well, I'm, I'm going over, no question. I'm going over, too. I mean, you've already got DePaul. That's one. And then you had the Trilly Donovan tweet today. So I'm thinking at least two. I don't know who it would be. I mean, again, like you have a lot of coaches who think like Georgetown sucks, but they're not going to fire Ed Cooley after one year. Right. I don't think Villanova's going to fire Kyle Neptune after two years, even though they've been insanely disappointing. Um, but that would be possible. Butler, probably not going to fire Thad Mata. I could see Thad walking away if they continue to suck. I don't know if Thad really even wanted to come back. I can see that happening. Yeah, same. Kim English at Providence. If anything, he's going to get a better job. Rick Pitino's not leaving St. John's after one year. Sean Miller at Xavier could definitely, he's a flight risk. He could go somewhere. McDermott's not leaving Creighton. Sheen Holloway's not leaving Seton Hall. Shaka Smart could leave Marquette. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all these guys that we're talking about would be a surprise, but I'm going to I'm gonna lean with a surprise. I'm, I'm going to say wild stuff happens in college basketball. I'm going to say at least one of those guys that we're talking about makes a surprise exit or just like retires or has something happen in the offseason. I think two is over one and a half is the safe bet when you know you've got a one. Yep. Two and a half would have been a better number. I think so too. What would you say if we, if he said two and a half? I probably still would have went over. 
I think I gotta go under. I think I would have said just two. Texas Cod, please don't let Dan McDonald find out that Trinity's getting a new indoor facility. <laughs> We're getting one before Louisville baseball is. I think you need to refresh. I did. I just did. Oh, okay. Texas, I'm so glad that I faded your UNC Charlotte plus two and a half in Moneyline versus USF. Also, it's amazing the job that Amir Abdul-Rahim has done. Having a competent head coach show that you can have success at a terrible place like USF. Yeah, that dude's done an unreal job. Like USF is a very, very difficult place to win. I mean, it was harder when you were in the Big East. It's still pretty tough to win right now. And and they're in. I think I saw one of their fans who I follow on Twitter say, it's the first time in the history of the program they've been alone in first place in their conference in February, which is pretty wild. Hmm. But thank you for not taking my gambling advice. You win this one. Texas says, put some respect on old country. It's easily better than rap and this crap commuter automated baloney water music being made today from Chris the Plumber. I, I agree. Like old country, I'm good with. The new country, I don't know. Uh, no new f- country's not country. No fondness for it. Texas, if Patino was still our coach, how many championships would, would we have right now? 17. Texas, Seth's pandering to Payne was a little over the top. I think he said, I love what Kenny Payne is doing no less than a dozen times. He was, he was annoying. Texas, have you, have you previewed the women's game tonight? About to head downtown. I would love a breakdown if you had already covered it. We talked about it at the beginning of this hour. Um, no time to really get into it now, but I'm expecting the women to win tonight. Texas, who gets a higher ACT score? Now, come on. <laughs> Texas says, "I come on, guys. I, I all the political text now coming in. I can't, can't do it." Texter says. Again, all the political talks. <laughs> Texas, a few years ago, USC made a pretty deep NIT run, and Bill Walton called all of their games. It was fantastic to watch. I mean, that's not – again, he's a UCLA guy. Whatever you say, dude. Yeah. He went there. Superstar. Texas says – can't read it. Come Another on. shot. Come on. <laughs> Cowboy. <laughs> Cowboy. Come on. Uh, all right, that's the, uh, enough of the text line. The, the the Trump ad ruined the text line for today. That last texter also said, "Put the mortgage payment on Nick's money line tonight." Plus, Nick's Nick's money line plus one forty. Really? Yep. I have no idea who they're playing. Uh, Dallas Mavericks. Hmm. But it's in New York. I don't know how to feel about I, that. I don't hate it. I don't. I mean, I don't. I've I've no feeling about it whatsoever because I have no idea about M- NBA. Um. All right, college basketball tonight. First of all, I got some big, big X, big bets. Woo-hoo. I'm going Red Foxes for my big bet of the night. I love the MAAC. I love Marist. They always let me down in the MAAC tournament. They're hosting Siena tonight. Or, take it back, they're on the road against Siena tonight. They are just a three and a half point favorite. They're going to cover that easily. Ken Palm likes them to win by seven. I like, I like them to win by more than three and a half. It's going to happen. Bet on the Red Foxes tonight. I I kind of want to put a... I feel like Memphis is a, a dummy bet right now. They're playing Temple. Uh, it's a way. They've been bad recently. I, 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 take, I, I take it back. I, you have to jump on that. Memphis, minus three as well. Minus six and a half. I'm going with uh, Memphis, Marist, and then my other bet. It's got to be another M. Uh, it's not, though. UAB. Blazers are hosting Florida Atlantic. They're five and a half point home underdogs. You don't just walk into Bartow Arena 
and roll over UAB by more than five and a half points. I feel like like FAU, they might be about to... I don't feel that confident in this one, but I'm going to bet it. FAU could be doing that thing where they're hitting their stride and they're going to start blowing out these teams that they've been uh, barely beating. Like They barely beat North Texas uh, last weekend because of our boy, Ross Hodge. 66-63, but then they turned around. They blew out Tulsa by 32 on Saturday. I don't know. I, just, I, I can't trust... Florida Atlantic that much at this point. I feel like UAB is getting right. I'm going to say that those are my three bets. Maris covers the three and a half. Memphis covers the six and a half. And then UAB plus five and a half at home against Florida Atlantic. Do it up. Parlay it. Let's see what happens. Feel good about that. Uh, that is, I mean, maybe the biggest game of the night is Florida Atlantic against UAB. It's nine o'clock tip off on ESPN2. I've already shared my thoughts. Scoots, how do you feel about this one? I I mean, that's it's the... I, I've brought it up a couple times the last few weeks, but that fits the John Spears system, which tells you you take the unranked home team versus a ranked team. Straight up? Straight up. You're going money line. I'm I'm probably not going to do it, but I'm, I'm going to take the points for sure. Make yourself some money. No, this the Spears system is take them with the points. Okay. Well, five and a half. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the only other ranked team in action tonight, Tommy Lloyd in Arizona on the road taking on Utah. Big game for Utah. We had Kyle Smith was the original coach of the day. We had to, you had to pick a different number. Uh, Arizona is a five-and-a-half-point road favorite. Utah firmly on the NCAA tournament bubble. I think Lenardi has them as one of the last teams in the field right now. A win over Arizona, who's the best team in the Pac-12, would probably push them definitively over the edge. Zona riding a three-game winning streak uh, after that rough road loss to Oregon State a couple weeks ago. Utah has won uh, one game in a row. They lost two in a row before that. Who gets it done tonight? Uh, Arizona is a five-and-a-half-point Road favorite. I think Arizona wins, but they do not cover. That's what I'm going to say, too. I'm rolling with the Utes. I think the Utes cover. I'm going to say Arizona wins a very close one. That's an 8 o'clock tip-off on the Pac-12 network, which, of course, doesn't exist. So if you want to watch that game, you can't. I'm sorry. Pac-12 network, not a real thing. Um, What else is going on tonight besides the, the, the women's game? That's about it, right? God, what a lame slate. How yeah. is a Thursday night this bad? No football. Washington, Oregon, 10 o'clock on FS1. Oregon's an eight and a half point favorite. Ducks are going to win that game pretty easily. San Francisco Pepperdine, eleven o'clock on ESPNU. Go Dons! I would have worn my Dons gear if I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Ugh, ugh! What a bad night. All right, Marist, Memphis, and then um, UAB covering against Florida Atlantic. I like it. The U of L women's team is about to tip off. Actually, right now that uh, they're about two minutes away from tip off at the KFC Yum Center. Hopefully, some of you are already down there and you're not listening to this because you're inside the building. If you're not, you can listen to it on our sister station, 970 WGTK. If you want to watch it on TV, it's on the big stick tonight. It's on ESPN. Cards taking on the Fighting Irish. They've won four of their last five against Notre Dame at home. They beat them by 26 last year in the ACC tournament semifinals. That was the last meeting between these two teams. Notre Dame's the higher-ranked team. They're number 12 in the country. Louisville's number 15, but the Cards do own a game over them in the conference standings. Louisville's 8-2 in the ACC. Notre Dame is 7-3. and both teams have four losses overall. It's a big matchup for both teams as far as their NCAA tournament resumes are concerned. Do the U of L women bounce back tonight after their loss to NC State? Scooter Dingus, what do you say? First of all, can I bet on women's basketball? Sure, you can. Yeah, okay. I might have to fire look into that, that app, baby. Yeah. Now I think Louisville gets it done tonight. They they need a good bounce back game. I think it happens tonight. Seventy seven seventy four is your final. Okay. These two teams will play again. By the way, on Senior Day, the last regular season game of the season. Uh, for Louisville, it will be in South. Uh, it's senior day for Seth for Notre Dame. It'll be in South Bend. I think the Cards get the job done tonight. They played really well in the second half against NC State. 
I think they'll be a, a more consistent team tonight. I'm going to say Louisville gets it done. I'm kind of with you. Cards 77, Notre Dame 72. Let's get it done. Go Cards. Beat the Fighting Irish. We've got Matt McGavick in studio tomorrow for the show. We'll see you guys back here at 3 o'clock. Go Cards. Living in